Hello and welcome to the Rollmageddon podcast, the Grand Designs campaign, episode number one. Uh, we are a Pathfinder 2 campaign, just so you know, and we are also planning on being a horror campaign. We'll see if the players actually let me get to that point or whether they just sidetrack me with ridiculous antics. So just so you've been warned, it may deal with some disturbing subjects and that sort of stuff. If that's not your thing, then I suggest you look away. Trigger warning. I am Jason McCanley. I'm going to be the game master for this uh, wonderful event. And let's introduce our cast. Who wants to go first? Give us uh, your name and your character, your character class and ancestry. Maybe a sentence or two about who your character is. My name is Ali Tariani, and I play Carl, the Antazi elf wizard. I don't really have anything for back. Can we come back to me? So going in. Uh, all right, here, I'll go first. How about I all go right. first? All right. My name is Molly Oblivion, and I am playing Bon Bon. She is a snow goblin. She is a little sassy, little on the, what's a good word for it? I don't want to liken her to Spock, but she definitely favors logic over anything else uh, and is very sheltered. So there's a lot, not a lot going on and a lot going on at the same time. She, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot the most important part. She is an alchemist. <laughs> and uh, she has a familiar uh, who named Grunlock. And our last and final person, maybe final, unless we go back to Ollie. <laughs> I don't have anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name's Jordy. I play the character Becca's Brandywine, who is a human rogue bard, dual classin. Uh, he is, in his background, is an entertainer slash dancer and a rogue scoundrel. So I like to smooth talk people, I'm trying to make a way and get a name in the town so I can figure out some secrets and help free some people. All right. That was one, two, three player characters. And now, to start the game, hand out some hero points. Molly already stole one. In my defense, I stole it like a month ago. <laughs> we haven't actually like played right in like two months. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a slight delay. And uh, yeah, let's get this we monkey show started. Trip. huh? We had a shopping trip a couple weeks ago. Yes, we did. Have an we off, did. We went sho- I was still shopping, shopping yesterday. So that, that shopping trip's lasted like two weeks. So I get six hero points. One hero <laughs> point. Each one of the little green dice I give you is one hero point. It's confusing. Uh, don't you currently have a talisman? I do. I have the crying angel talisman. I bought it during our shopping trip. So technically I have two hero points because the crying angel talisman, if I wanted to use it, kind of acts as a hero point. Except it doesn't actually save your life, right? It's just if you critically fail on something, you can re-roll, it negates correct. a critical yes. fail. Yeah, so I don't think it that won't you save re- your life, I don't though. think it allows you to re-roll though. I Did don't. You? I think it just changes a critical fail to a regular, regular fail. fail. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you don't have intensely bad shit happening to you, just slightly bad. <laughs> well, shit. and I've seen how giddy you get at critical fails, so I I, I was really happy to invest I in something. Say giddy. <laughs> I would say giddy. Yeah, giddy is the word I would use. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, if we want to like announce our alignments as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that is up to you. Some oh, people no. prefer to keep their alignments oh, okay. secret. Why would you want to keep your alignment secret unless you were evil? And you didn't want people <laughs> some, to know. <laughs> some people just like making it a mystery. And so like you have to kind of figure out their character as they go along. Right, so well. I mean, that's up to you. Bonbon is true neutral. Carl is also true neutral. 
I'm chaotic neutral. <laughs> okay, I love our group already. Like, this is fantastic. We are oh all so God. squishy. I mean, none of us have, like, any hit points at all, but we're all pretty smart. I think you and I have the same amount, don't we? We, we, we both have 26. You're the squishy Wait, wizard. We're going to die, you? but we're going to talk a lot of shit on the oh, way yeah. down. <laughs> it's going to be great. All right. We'll see how this works out. Oh, by the way, uh, I forgot to mention, you are all level two. We're starting this campaign at level two. We Yay. already had some prologue stuff that we did. That's also why I'm starting out dual classing, just in case anybody was curious. All right. The city of Portion Grand lies in the northern hemisphere of the world of Leroth, in the center of the continent of Ashwin. It is the capital of the kingdom of Walfen and stretches across the northeastern, northeastern shore of the Afarish Lake. Its unique position as a crossroads for all those who travel from the coastal cities of the south and landlocked kingdoms of the north has, over the course of more than 1,500 years, ensured that this city grew and became prosperous. Portion Grand has survived changes in leadership, occupation by foreign powers, and the constant threat of war from covetous neighbors. Today, it is the largest and wealthiest city in the known world. It sprawls across more than 150 square miles and is home to a population of more than 1 million people. And while it's considered by many to be the center of the center of the civilized world, a place of culture, learning, and prosperity, Portion Grand does not exist without its fair share of problems. The power which shapes and maintains this grand metropolis is held in the hands of a very few. At the top of the hierarchy, one king, six influential families, a few dozen power-hungry priests, and a hundred guilds. At the bottom, eight walled prisons, dozens of gangs, and tens of thousands of hungry and destitute. It is in one of these walled prisons that our story begins. Known for being one of the first of a crime solution known as residential reformatories, the neighborhood of the East Block was once prosperous and home to many wealthy merchants and guildsmen. But some 300 years ago, a law was put into place which turns this fine neighborhood into a prison. A massive wall was erected to surround an area of a little over one and a half square miles. Those who could afford to left, and those who couldn't stayed. And after the wall was finished, the empty streets and buildings began to be filled with criminals that more official prisons couldn't afford to house. Today, the East Block and its fellow Tories are living, breathing neighborhoods formed and forged from the efforts of the convicted and the poverty-stricken. And it's here where our three would-be heroes currently reside. Surrounded by criminals and the destitute, they try to do what they can to pursue their goals and perhaps, fingers crossed, make a difference for the betterment of their fellows. As both inside and outside the East Block's walls, those who wield power in Portion Grand struggle against each other. The king, the families, the priests, guild masters and gangs, locked in endless conflict as they all seek to control and shape the city after their own grand design. Now that the intro's out of the way, let's start with one of the players. Hey, Carl slash Ollie. Uh, why don't you go ahead and describe your character in a little more detail, like appearance... What he likes to do, maybe, I don't know, just to give the listeners at home something to visualize. Carl's an Ontazi elf. He's very, very, very old. Stands about 5 foot 11 inches. He's got smooth, pale skin, dark hair. It hangs down an almost vine-like... Tendrils? Tendrils, thank you. I'm, yeah. having, I'm having a day here. It hangs down an almost vine-like tendrils. Dressed in robes and carrying a bow, peeking out from under the robes, there is a small orange ball of fur. 
His name's Rupert, and he's a winged cat. Rupert is Carl's familiar. They've been together for years. Typically, Carl is sitting at home, working on his craft. He likes to carve things. All right. Good. You got more to say? <laughs> you can go on as long as you what want. Craft? Or you could stop <laughs> and oh. hide. It's up to you, man. No pressure. What kind of things does he carve? Is he a whittler? He's a whittler. Oh. Whittler? Whittler. So can he make like like wooden weaponry and trinkets? Or is he more like a wooden horse kind of whittler? Um, <laughs> he fills it with trojans. Carl has spent many, many years of his life perfecting his craft, his art, one might say. And he prefers to create toys, trinkets. Um, he doesn't typically sell the things he carves. He tends to give them out to random people. Um, he lives in a small apartment with his cat, Rupert. And he generally lives a fairly solitary life, just observing. Carl spent many, many years uh, as a tree and recently woke up and wandered into the city completely bewildered because when he'd gone to sleep there really was no city he's been there for about two years and for the listeners at home who may be confused the antasi are my world's high elves i like that you were Just like so you know for the listeners at home but you were staring right at me because the look on my face was like <laughs> what you were a tree i have questions <laughs> and the elves or uh, in my world are self-evolving so they can sort of change themselves. I am going to want an explanation as to how he was a tree. Well, Bonbon can definitely ask. That. Okay. I'm just yeah. saying. So at one point, <laughs> you may want to prepare an answer to that question because I'm going to want to know. That's on, that's on Carl. <laughs> oh. Don't worry. I've already answered this question in <laughs> extremely great and one might say irritating detail. <laughs> I'm excited. Previous, I previous game. All right, Carl. So... Tonight, or this uh, current day, actually, you have wandered in to a soup kitchen, a uh, place that you just discovered. You've been in the East Block and in Portion Grand for a couple years, but Fair for enough. some reason you overlooked this place, and this is uh, you were here the other day, and you came back because it was good. It's a place called the Sloppy Bowl. Uh, it's run by a nice woman by the name of Brynja and her family. Uh, she is uh, from the northern hill region of Baquain. Uh, they're sort of a, more of a tribal, I don't want to say tribal kingdom. Think like Scotland, my world Scotland. They wear kilts. They do not wear kilts. They mostly hide, <laughs> if you're interested in their fashion. Uh, like I said, you accidentally stumbled upon it, and uh, it was good. The place is mostly more of a soup kitchen. She sells her food for, it's a copper piece per bowl, so it's nice and cheap. But there's something about the spices, the Bakwathan cooking method or something that warms you up. And drinking a bowl of her stew, it's a bit like um, the way you might feel after having like a shot of strong liquor. It just kind of warms you from the inside, you know, minus the, the hangover. So you're sitting in the sloppy bowl. The building itself looked like it used to be like an old storage of some sort. It's very long and wide, square and functional in architecture. One of the buildings has been sealed away and converted for the kitchen. A large hearth has been put into the other end. All the space in between has been filled with simple benches and long tables so they could fit as many people as possible. Even the customers seem plain and functional, being mostly the poorest of the poor. A collection of day laborers, beggars, struggling craftsmen, and occasional homeless children who've managed to scrape up enough money for a decent meal. 
The only contrast to the plainness of the sloppy bowl is the entire east-facing wall has been carved into an exquisite mural. The mural depicts a scene out of the life of the free kingdom of Bakwain, uh, with rolling hills, clusters of cottages, and people going about their daily business. The mural is old and has certainly seen its fair share of wear and tear, but it's held up pretty nice. You, you being a woodcarver, recognize its superior craftsmanship. Today, however, today you notice that unlike last night when you were, or yesterday when you were here, you notice there's a scar across the work of art. About a third of the way down the mural, about three feet off the ground, there's a large burn scar, as if someone had held a torch up to it, charring several feet of the scene. You're sitting at one of the tables, eating your bowl of soup. What's Rupert doing, by the way? Um, Rupert's sticking his nose out and kind of licking the top of the soup every now and again. Carl looks down with a mildly annoyed, mildly entertained expression. Eventually... One of Brynia's children, Aniwe, comes up to you and doesn't really approach you, just stares at Rupert. She's a young girl, about five years old, and she's kind of looking at your cat. He's fairly curious. I would imagine he would probably pop out to say hello. So he pops out, wings and all, and Aniwe, wide-eyed, gasps and takes a step back, like staring at this very unusual animal that you have. He'd probably pop over. He loves people. All right. So your uh, Rupert approaches her. She gives you sort of a questioning look. I'll just shrug and tell her she's welcome to pet him in common. She tentatively reaches over and starts petting your winged cat. He probably starts purring very loudly. All right. The, the motor turns on. At this point, Rinya's other child, Ewenware. The boy of about eight years old comes over and is like looking down just as sort of flabbergasted at the the wings that are coming out of your cat's back. I'll gesture in a welcoming way. After about 20 seconds, Brunia kind of strides across the room towards her kids. She is human. She's Bakwathan. She's uh, described in one of these notes somewhere. She has deep brown, long, curly hair that's kind of wild. She ties back reddish brown eyes. She's in her late 20s and approaches you and says, they're not bothering bothering you, are they? No, I think he's quite enjoying this. Ah, well, they are bothering me a little bit. You two are supposed to be collecting the empty bowls and bringing out the full bowls to our customers. And you're sitting here petting this cat. They kind of look over their own. Sorry, mom. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And then they kind of scamper off and start going about their business, collecting the dishes and wiping stains off of tables, and so forth and so on. Rinya just nods to you and wanders back to what she's doing. Is there anything you'd like to do in particular? Oh, sure. I'll um, wander over to where she is and ask her what happened to the beautiful art on the wall. She looks noticeably embarrassed uh, for a moment. Had a bit of an accident last night. I came down to clean up the last of the bowls and make sure the kids had done their job. I was carrying a lantern. Got scared by a, a rat of all things and lost the lantern. It's uh, smashed against the wall, burned up the mural. My my grandfather carved this here when my family came down from Bakwain, moved to Parsham Grand. It's quite a shame. It's uh, sort of the last thing he left behind, I suppose. I am um, a woodcarver. Uh, it's a hobby of mine. I 
imagine I may be able to assist you in repairing your mural. I'm afraid we don't have much money. As you see, this is uh, mostly a kitchen for those who can't afford better things. We sort of barely scrape by off of donations and such. Well, I could perhaps do it in some free time. I tend to whittle wherever I go, and I'll pull out two little carved figurines. These are for your children. Oh, well, thank you. We end up getting spoiled given too many of these things. But uh, I mean, if you think that you can fix it, if you think you can get the scar off there, I mean, while you're working, you're welcome to have as much much stew as you want. Right. Might be able to scrounge up a pint of ale or two as well. I'd find that to be most acceptable. Seem to have come at a very fortuitous time. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I suppose I'll sit over and see what I can do. Thank you very much. What is your name, sir? I'm Carl. Well, I am Brynja. It's a pleasure. It's good to meet you. Don't spoil my kids too much. They need to stay working before they can be running around petting animals. Oh, I understand completely. I was a child a very long time ago. I remember it fondly. Around here, you know, you have to grow up a little bit quicker, and they need to stay working. It's property of my people that... Once they reach their fifth year, they gotta earn their keep. Ah, uh, yes, my my people too. Somewhere around the sixtieth year. She kind of looks around and scouts the room with her eyes and notices uh, customers looking around, confused and waiting for their food. She says, "I best get back to work." Oh, certainly. But, uh, thank you. I shall see you the next time I see you, I suppose. And meanwhile, the this bowl is on me. I probably look over and Rupert's. Yeah. Demolished most of it. <laughs> Damn it, cat ate all my stew. <laughs> Just picked all the meat out. <laughs> all this left of shallots. He's just sleeping upside down, flying in a sunbeam. <laughs> <laughs> Where did the sunbeam come from? <laughs> hey, at least he ate it instead of just you know senselessly knocking it off the table just to see what would happen. This is true. <laughs> that would be my real life cat. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, somewhere else, approximately... A day later, for convenience sake. Bon Bon, why don't you uh, go ahead and describe a little bit of what your character looks like. Give us all a visual to work with. Uh, Bon Bon is short. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And then? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, one more. Uh, She's uh, short, scrawny. Uh, she's a snow goblin, which, uh, their, their heads are uh, a little narrower and a little, uh, more elongated than that of non snow goblins. She has very, very pale bluish skin, kind of like you would imagine someone who's like died of hypothermia. She kind of looks like that. (laughs) And she has a rat's nest of hair on her head. It's like stark white, very, uh, coarse crazy all over the place hair there's a couple of dreadlocks that's got like coils and beads like anytime she finds any kind of like little trinkety type thing she never knows if she's going to need it she usually finds herself pretty fascinated given that she grew up in a very um she grew up in yeah a very stark relatively isolated place way up north there are a lot of things in the rest of the known world that she's encountered on her travels that have fascinated her and if they're small enough she just sticks them in her hair. So there's just a lot going on up there. She is dressed in some kind of raggedy padded armor. She carries a backpack. 
Sorry, I feel like Britta in community. I have three armor, <laughs> boots, a sword. <laughs> Wait, let her finish. Um, oh, she also has several piercings in her face, no- most notably her nose and cheeks. They're pierced with like wooden, very crude wooden type earrings. I say earrings in quotations because that's not really what they are, but... Basically, she just shoves sticks through her face, um, but that's what <laughs> happens among her people. Uh, yeah, and uh, Grenlock, who is her alchemical familiar, her companion, um, and I'm, I apologize for the constant like pop media references, but he looks like a mogwai. He isn't a mogwai, but he looks like one. Um, just sort of a very short yeti, like completely white with like one little stripe in his, on his belly and a little tuft of hair like under his chin. And uh, she almost always gives him hands and a sense of smell every day. Um, I don't really know why she goes with the smell, but the hands, because the first time that she did it, he completely freaked out. He was so happy. She can't bring herself to take his hands away. Now. So, <laughs> anyway, that's Bonbon. Bon. So, Bonbon. Bon. Yes? It's mid-spring in Portion Grand. But to you, it might as well be in the middle of the hottest summer ever. Being from the far, far north where... No matter the season, everywhere you looked was covered in snow and ice. Even a mild heat can be a bit miserable for you. If you were actually outside where there was a mild breeze, it might be tolerable. But here, in the confined space in an alchemical lab, with a dozen small fires burning away, cooking up tinctures and elixirs and other such things, it's positively horrible. You're just sweating, and it sucks, and you smell funny, and you just don't understand how people live like this. You've been dealing with the seat for a few weeks now, ever since you were first employed by the East Block's local master alchemist, Gartuk. Gartuk! <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Being an alchemist yourself, uh, taking the job was a good opportunity to learn new skills. Also, it's not a bad idea to have a source of income when you've moved to a new strange place. The only thing that's saved you from passing out repeatedly in this heat is the fact that your employer uh, provides you with an elixir that makes you somewhat resistant to the heat. So you can kind of stand it, if not necessarily enjoy it. Today, you're bringing up another batch of alchemical uh, stuff, elixirs and such. <laughs> the technical term is alchemical stuff. It yes, is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's just uh, the same as it's been every day for the previous 15 or 20 days. You've actually begun to lose count. But you're being paid. You have a place to live. Your employer has been generously sharing his alchemical formulas with you and helping you expand your knowledge of the craft. But perhaps most importantly, Gartuk has been diligently looking for a way to help you get through the locked and guarded gates of the local Eureka Academy. If you can figure out a way to talk to the masters who work and study there, you may eventually find answers to the questions which have driven you so far away from your homeland. At this point, I'm going to have you make a crafting role for alchemy. That's not fair. Carl didn't have to make a role. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta see how good your daily batch is going. All right, okay. Is it just a, is it just a d twenty? Is it gonna be a d twenty? You're gonna add your crafting roll along with plus one because uh, Gartuk has superior crafting tools, and then I believe you have plus one from specialty crafting. So that would be a sixteen. Okay, so you do a decent job. It's nothing spectacular, but you manage to get everything brewed up properly without lighting anything on fire or spoiling anything. Do I have to say what I'm brewing? As I know, I'm supposed to prepare something like specific every day. Uh, you're actually just working at this point for Gartuk, and he's just saying, I need three of these, Ew. I need two of these, you know, so you're fulfilling orders. Okay, So it's gotcha. mostly you come in in the morning, you check on what's been cooking, you add this, you add that, and so 
it's been a very uh, mechanical process for you. Okay. You have had a chance to work on your own stuff, but as you are finishing up for the day, the sun is just starting to go down, and Gartuk arrives. Now, Gartuk is a katsuk, which is a small frog-like humanoid creature that come from the distant islands of the Far East. He has black, shiny skin with silver marbled lines that sort of trace a pattern across his body. He's approximately three feet tall, short legs, long, thin arms, which end in four-fingered hands. He stares out at the world from behind misty gray eyes bisected with narrow black slits. He's currently wearing plain, dark gray robes tied with a belt from which hang a variety of alchemical instruments and pouches with mysterious contents. He walks in and he looks at your work for the day. Ah, Bon Bon. Everything's looking fine today. Very good job. Thank you, Gartuk. How are you making do? Are you becoming acclimated to life in the East Block? It is hot. It is very hot. Um, Although your resilience elixir has helped a bit, but I must say I find myself exhausted at the end of every day with this heat. You should never visit my homeland, then. It's like this, only much hotter, and everything's very, very wet. How do you... Well, I guess actually you don't live there anymore, so... Uh, I find myself very much um, at odds with your homeland and all the ice and snow. Oh, God. Ice. Snow. I miss it. I miss it so much. That, That actually makes me think. Could I create... Some kind of elixir that creates snow? You could most certainly um, I was attempt- asking Gartuk. Oh, I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> wow, I'll just butt out then. <laughs> sorry. It's an A and B conversation. So. Well, I suppose uh, with the right ingredients, you can do anything. It's never really something I've thought about. I would love to look into that further. I apologize. How was your day, Gartuk? Oh, the usual packaging up bits and pieces, roots and leaves for curing people's colds and upset stomachs, hangovers, the usual around here. What is a hangover? Ah, well, it's very common amongst humans in particular. When they imbibe too much alcohol or other substances... The day after they have done this, they are, they feel very uh, hurt and in pain. Is that why so many people vomit outside of the bar in the morning? Yes, most likely. It also could be the food if the bar isn't uh, preparing things well. <laughs> this, explains, this explains much. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Do you have any other work for me today? No, you're free to go. But I did want to talk to you about something real quick. Anything, Gartuk. I may have a lead on something that could get you into the Eureka Academy. Oh, excellent. It's a bit of a long shot, and to be honest, it might be... It might prove to be an odd experience, uh, but it's the best lead I've had since I started asking around. The gnomes of Eureka are very particular about whom they allow within their walls without a massive donation of funds or some sort of alchemical secret to share, crossing the threshold of the Academy is a most difficult task. But I have someone who went to the Academy at one point, who may have some context still there, despite his uh, rather 
eventful eviction from the property. I'll know more in a few days' time. We'll speak to you on the subject when I find out anything one way or the other, but it may be something at least. We can get you on the path to figuring out what you need to do to help your people. I greatly appreciate it, Gartuk. Thank you. Mm. I'm eager to hear what comes of it. We shall see. We shall see. Well, you have a good evening. I shall see you tomorrow, most likely. Indeed. You've been working very hard for two weeks now. If you do need a day to yourself, please just let me know. I can always go on without you for a little bit. A day to myself? Yes, to just relax. Maybe go explore the city or just sleep all day. I don't know. Humans do that sometimes. Sleep all day? What a waste. But, mm, I agree. <laughs> I have... Well, apart from this heat, honestly, what I, the work that I've been doing here for you is what relaxes me. <sighs> but um, I suppose I could possibly find one of those, uh, it, the place that Beckus and I went to. Uh, you know, it, it's like a big room filled with water, and you just sit in the water, that might help me. Uh, the bathhouse. The bathhouse, thank you. That, that may help me cool down. So perhaps I might do that one of these days. Oh, you just let me know. We're always, I'm always uh, amenable to uh, adjusting whatever schedule you need. Thank you very much. Thank you for all of your help. You've taken quite a burden off of me since I have not had an apprentice in quite some time. I forgot how much extra work I'm always doing and how many things that I don't get to do because of all that. Well, you've been a wonderful employer. Thank you. Have a good she, evening. She uh, attempts to shake Gartuk's hand vigorously. <laughs> he reaches his hand out tentatively and shakes with you. Okay, so I, I guess um, oh, do I get to choose where I go or are you going to take me, send huh? me somewhere? You're off at the usual time each night. Okay. You know, you do have a little bit of a pattern. You usually stop by the sloppy bowl and get something to eat because it's cheap. Interesting. And you know the place <laughs> and you feel safe there as I opposed... I choose to go not to the sloppy <laughs> bowl today. Huh. I want to go as far away from the plot as possible. I'm just saying, uh, it's one of the places you've mm-hmm. gone. You've tried a few different, you know, places to eat and so forth and... They tend to be filled with rougher people. You feel a little safer at the Sloppy Bowl. There's not as much gang activity. It's in what you have discovered is called a neutral part of the East Block, which means it's not owned by any particular gang. You found that if you stay in certain areas of this strange place, that you tend to be safer than if you go to other areas. And once you start to wander into different zones, you start to get odd looks. You start to have people following you, and it's just very unpleasant. So... There's a routine. You do tend to break the routine when your closest friend and roommate, Beckus, is around. Beckus! <laughs> but you also know that Beckus has been extremely busy lately, and you rarely see him unless you happen to be awake when he's stumbling in at the wee hours of the morning after performing all night. Yeah. Okay, well, then, I suppose in that case, I although, I mean... I was kidnapped, and I feel like sticking to a routine is, like, the best thing you could do for a kidnapper. Um, So I feel like I probably wouldn't actually stick to that much of a routine. But I am hungry, so I am going to (laughs) go. But I will. (laughs) But uh, but today, I I just really need a bowl of warm soup. I will get onto that railroad car. 
just this one time for you. Jason, the DM. They make you a special batch that makes you feel cold. Yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah. To be fair, I could actually do each one of these with everybody else made to leave the room so you don't know <laughs> where I'm trying to lead you. That's true. And okay. get you to go um, there. I scoop Grimlock up and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> I nuzzle him and then we leave Gartok's place and head over to the Sloppy Bowl. All right. You arrive at the Sloppy Bowl as the sun is descending. And now let's go over to Beckus. Oi, oi. Beckus, would you like to describe yourself in glorious detail so that our listeners at home will be feeling nice and randy by the time you're done? <laughs> I mean, hopefully the alcohol will do that for me. Um, okay, so Beckus Brandywine. He is 5'6". Uh, he is a human. He's got sandy blonde hair. He's got brown eyes. Right now he's wearing like a performing outfit. It's made out, It's like a finer outfit. It's made out of some velvet. Feels nice. <laughs> it's appealing to look at. Just imagine uh, perhaps the boy in blue. It's uh, a painting. You guys oh, the boy, the boy in blue. The boy in blue. I was thinking like it was a pantaloons, TV like pantaloons, <laughs> like. <knees. laughs> right now, I'm dressed up a little bit extra because I am performing at a little bit of higher performance venues as of lately. Got a little bit of reputation. I'm equipped with a couple whips. I got a main gauche, a pairing dagger, if you will, and yeah, All been right. working a lot. So right now, as the sun's going down, you find yourself actually at the end of your night of performance which is very odd because normally you'd just be getting going about now you're walking back from a place where you were supposed to be performing you're supposed to be schmoozing you're supposed to be talking and trying to sort of suss out some clues on what may be happening with the missing children uh well it was supposed to go into the night and then the young ambitious members of two opposing families the of the six uh, executive families who basically control Porsche Grand got into a fist fight and the whole party was busted up for security reasons so they ended up paying you about what they thought that you would get uh, which is probably about half of what you would have actually gotten and sent you on your way so you have the night off which is completely unusual you've been working for pretty much 20 days straight so you're Work walking hard for the money <laughs> So uh, you're walking back from the open outside world of Porsham Grand proper and towards the walls, which rise. That guy's got a real big dick. <clears throat> Huge! Wow, that's just like, that was just like Blew a thick up. line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he All right, got let's some try this again. So you're walking back. Uh, from the open outside world, the Porsche Grand, and toward the walls which surround your home. These... Nope, it's not over. <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. Drive on. Anyway, let's see. You're walking back <laughs> towards the East Block, uh, your little neighborhood, which is surrounded by these 50-foot high walls. So yes, like I said, it's been an early night. You managed to get off, but honestly, you could use a break at this point. You're probably a little sore from performing constantly. But you haven't been performing so hard just to pay the bills. You've been working on trying to accomplish something, which is to track down the missing children and the potential that there are some important people who may be behind these missing children, whether they be slavers or something even worse. You're not really sure, but every 
lead that you've had has kind of been pushing you in this direction. You've been working with an East Block gang known as the 11th Hour. Unlike most of the gangs that you've had to deal with during the, what was it, five years you've lived in Porsche Grand, mm-hmm. the 11th Hour actually seems to treat the welfare of the East Block's residents as a high priority. It's highly unusual. One of the top representatives of the 11th Hour, a man by the name of Dwarven, gave you a special badge, which basically vets you so that you can start performing at venues that contain wealthy merchants and guildsmen and lesser-ranking members of the six executive family families. The badge signifying that you're safe and not going to murder anyone. You're not a spy or an assassin. Of course, in reality, you probably, you know, you're kind of a spy. Mm. Mm. Unfortunately, you have been able to turn up zero clues concerning the missing children, and it's a bit frustrating. But uh, you keep trying, and you have managed to make a few contacts and uh, gain a little bit of influence, put on some spectacular performances, and slowly start to spread your your uh, name around uh, through these various venues. You wander back, and you see the wall getting closer and closer. You notice that the gates have just closed as they close when the sun starts to set. And you see the little gate off to the side, and a familiar face, sort of plain-looking, bored-looking fellow, uh, dressed in simple leather armor and holding a pike, just sort of leaning against the wall and trying to look like he's preventing people from going in or out. A man by the name of Hilburn. He kind of steps to attention when he sees you coming. Hello, Bacchus. You're all back very early. I just started my shift. It was an early day. It turns out to be a big fist fight. Turned gone wrong. I need to stop with the accent. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to forget about it. So I'm going to go ahead and just nip that right in the bud. No. Just listen to the podcast over and over and over until it's embedded in your Bye bye Beckus's accent. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> it just changes every other episode. Yeah. <laughs> there was a ruckus at the event that I was performing at. Fists were thrown, and let's just say I had to leave early. Oh, that's didn't know that places uh like that they just uh break out in the brawls. I guess you get enough boozers in one place, there's bound to be a fight. Very true, very true. Anything interesting happened along here today? Nope. I've only been sitting out here for about 20, 30 minutes or so. And nothing ever interesting that's happened here, except when somebody tries to climb over the wall and falls and breaks the neck. And that's more just a hassle than actually being interesting. He leans back, unlatches the door, and opens it up for you. In you go! Back into the pen. Most gracious, you have yourself a pleasant evening. Uh, you too. Hopefully Enjoy no your... more neck breaks. Hmm? said hopefully no more neck breaks. Oh yes, I don't want to deal with that. They always make me help move the body. <laughs> <laughs> so you walk through the little tunnel that stretches the expanse of the wall, comes out on the other side into the East Block Residential Reformatory. Prison slash home, many people. You step out onto the east block side of what is known as the Eliarch Highway, once a well-traveled road for merchants and traders who had business in this part of town when it was a much nicer part of town and not walled up. Outside the wall, the Eliarch Highway is uh, still well-maintained to some degree. Once you get inside the wall, though, you can see that this road is hundreds of years old and is barely being patched together and mostly just patched because the East Block's residents actually need to use it, so they just come and fill it in with gravel whenever they have to. Another 
trait of this part of the Eliak Highway is that vendors who can't get permits to leave the East Block instead set up their stalls in this area. So when the Grand Gates are opened and the highway is opened, outsiders who happen to be wandering by might see this market wandering and buy something. Right now, because the, the sun is going down, most of them have already packed up and left. You still see a few remnants. As you're passing one particular individual, he turns and starts to flag you down. And you see a very old-looking man with almost no hair, very plain worn clothing, which seems to have been patched dozens of times. Good sir! Uh, and he reaches over and opens up a panel that opens the stall to what he has stored inside. And you just see bulbs of garlic and onions. The onions look a little bit worse for wear. Sir, surely... This is what you would need. It'll help spice your soup up. I'm having a very good deal since it's so late. Uh, Three each for one copper. Three bulbs of garlic, three onions. Just one copper, that's all. I'll take a dozen apiece. A a dozen? And I'll flick two silver coins at him. He... Grabs it up and digs out like a sort of beat up burlap sack, fills it up with a dozen of each and hands it to you. Tucks away his silver. Says, "Thank you, very, very good, sir. Thank you very, very much. Uh, you have uh, definitely uh, saved my night. I had a permit to go outside the walls to sell at the spring market, but they rescinded it, and I got stuck back here after invested in all this damn garlic." It's, uh, <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. Guys, pops, have a good night. You too, sir. So you continue your journey into the East Block, and you know that you've made it back in time. Actually, made it back in time to where you could probably get a meal at the Sloppy Bowl before they close. Usually, you only ever get to eat lunch there, but uh, yeah, you might be able to stop by and get a meal. Looks like they're they're probably going to still be open for another hour. Only also, takes about fifteen minutes to walk there. I also have an <laughs> I also have a armful that I was planning on giving to Bruinia anyways, because I've been frequenting that place for about five years now. <laughs> well there you go. I saunter so, to the sloppy bowl. <laughs> so yeah, if you've been free if you've been frequenting that uh the sloppy bowl for five years, then you actually would have seen her when she was pregnant with her second child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She worked all the way through it. She literally started giving birth on her shift. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> it's like, just take me to the kitchen. <laughs> she went to the back to room and she was back in about an hour. <laughs> just, just mop up all that water. <laughs> just use it for the stew. <laughs> too far? Too oh. far? A little too far. A little too far. <laughs> I mean, in certain cultures, they eat the placenta. That's true. Uh-huh. Does this stew taste like placenta to you? <laughs> this tastes it really needs- blood rich. Is there liver in here? <laughs> needs more placenta. All right. And you, 15 minutes later, you walk into the Slavy Bowl. And surprisingly enough, you see Bonbon's there. Beckus! Ah, Bonbon. Gremlock runs, like, hobbles <laughs> over to you and starts nuzzling your leg. I scoop him up and give him a big old kiss on the head. He was super happy, like really happy. Bonbon, you've only been there for about 10 minutes, and you've actually kind of forgotten to order any food because you've been fascinated. There appears to be this uh, Antasi swell, or high elf as they're known in sort of the common parlance. Okay. 
working meticulously at scraping off a blackened area of the large wooden mural that covers this wall. Although it's not really the elf who has attracted your attention, rather a kind of chubby orange cat with wings that's sitting on the table next to him and is kind of staring at Grimlock. They just have locked eyes, and the cat doesn't seem threatening. It's just crooked-headed stare over at Grimlock. Grimlock is distracted by the arrival of Beckus, and I suppose I am too. But um, does Beckett, do you come to my table? Do you like join me? Um, I quickly greet Bruinia and I drop off the extra produce that I got because I didn't necessarily need it. Soup's going to be better tonight. She takes it from you and says, oh, thank you very much. This will help to spice things up for a little bit. So once Beckus joins me, I lean in and I'm like, check it out over there. What is? I feel like you would lean in, but you would just say it at your normal. Oh yeah, so I lean in like I'm gonna whisper. Yeah. <laughs> no, that makes way more sense. Do you see that over there? That's a giant cat with wings. It's staring at Grimlock. Well, that's something that you don't see every day. What is it? Seems to be some sort of familiar. I suppose you would have to ask whoever the owner is. Do you think? Do you think it's like Grimlock? Do you think someone made it? I think it belongs to that thing, to that one. And I point at... Stop pointing. What oh. do I have to... <laughs> I'm sorry. The, the, the high elf doesn't seem to actually notice. He's very focused on his work of repairing the mural. Okay, so I stop pointing and then I just start like violently throwing my head in the direction of the, of the elf. <laughs> that one. I think it belongs to that one. What's he doing to the wall, do you think? Seems that like he's repairing it or something. He's scraping it off. Yeah, you notice there is a char mark on the wall uh, that you hadn't seen previously. Um, I call over to Bruinia. She's sort of running around, putting some bowls down, and she hustles over with uh, her daughter, anyway, right behind her. She runs up. Hi, Beckus. Hi, Bon Bon. Grimlock. She starts rubbing Grimlock's head. Grimlock is purring. And then she leans in conspiratorially towards you, Bon Bon, and says, Did you see that man over there? He's got a cat with wings. We were just discussing that. Arwin- How do you say her name? Arwinya. Arwinya? Aniwe. Aniwe. You just call her Annie for short. Okay. We were just discussing that, Annie. We are trying to figure out exactly what it is and if that one that's dabbling with the wall made it, like I made Grimlock. Maybe. I've never seen a cat with wings before. They don't normally have wings? No. Mm. You've seen cats run around. They're usually a lot skinnier than that, too. That cat must eat a lot of food. (laughs) I think you're right. It's a very fat one. Or maybe just fluffy. Or maybe it's the wings. Maybe he has, like, extra bones for the wings. You know what? He probably does. Structurally, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, structurally. (laughs) I pat Annie on the head. (laughs) Brynja, at this point, makes it over to you. She oh. kind of shoes uh, Annie off. Go, go, go. Come Bye-bye, on. Annie. You can play with Grimlock a little bit later. Yeah, you want to like to get something neat, I'm sure. Actually, Brynja, we were curious about uh, the giant cat with wings. Oh, well, all I know is the cat's name is Rupert. and It the... told you its name was Rupert? It spoke? No, its owner oh. told me. The man over there, his name is Carl. And he generously offered to fix the 
mural after I so stupidly um, spilled flaming oil all over it the other night. Oh, I was right. It does belong to him. <clears throat> I imagine it's uh, some sort of familiar. I've never seen a winged cat. He is Antasi. You never know what uh, they might be. Have living around in the Antasi homelands, if he's far this far from home. You don't see too many of them out here. They don't generally wander off. I know about how that feels. Well, I suppose the same goes for your kind. You sure you don't want something to eat? Oh, um... we kind of sitting here for ten minutes just staring <laughs> at the cat. I suppose I'll have soup then. Beckus? I'll have a bowl of the soup and a flagon of ale. All right. She wanders off real, wanders off to get you your food. Send one out to the strange one, too. Ale Are you better. hitting on him? <laughs> I mean, you're curious about him. I'm trying to get his attention for you. I just think it just Are reminds me of when you're at a bar. Curious? You know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it reminds me of when you're at a bar and you're like, send a cup There's no expiration date on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would like to go talk to him. I feel like you deserve uh, for those of you listening at home, Beckus just earned himself, or Jordy just earned himself another hero point for his comment about the Antasi expiration date. <laughs> I thought it was very clever. <laughs> Before you do anything else, okay. uh, Carl, I would like you to make a perception check to see if you notice all these people talking about you behind <laughs> your back. 16. All right. You've been deeply engrossed in your work and you've heard things going on around you and Glanced back and saw something strange, like a little fuzzy white thing. But you're just like, I'll, I'll figure that out later. And now you hear, you've heard your name, and then you hear people talking, and it's it's very obvious that you've become the center of someone's attention. Um, how far away are they from me? Uh, they are about twenty feet away, sitting in a bench, like kind of off to your right and behind you. I'll ask Rupert to let me know if they come closer. You see the the Antasi kind of lean back and whisper something in the cat's ear. Beckus, he's talking to his cat. He's talking to it. I think the cat can talk. They're very obviously staring at you and talking about you. And now you get a better view. You see a little, uh, what looks like a miniature yeti or something, or a strange little bear monster with big ears. He's climbed up onto my shoulder and he's hugging my neck. And you also see a, was it white, blue, white and blue skinned? It's uh, like very pale blue skin. A pale blue skinned goblin. It's, like, it's kind of like this. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I just I, I just the showed Ollie. At home. I'm sorry, I just showed Ollie my phone case, which is like a mint greenish blue, pale, uh, robin's egg blue. Yeah. Carl, I would like you to make a society roll. Twenty-three. Right. Twenty-three. You're gonna know who I am. You're gonna know what I am. That's exciting. Yes, you. Uh, you recognize this as a species of goblin, frost goblin or snow goblin, tundra goblin, depending on who you talk to. They live pretty much the furthest you can go north before you fall off of the continent of Eshwin and into the Northern <laughs> Sea. Like, they live way out there. And as far as you know, I mean, your memory is still a little hazy. As far as you know, they you've never seen one outside of their homelands. She's staring a, at you. You also see a very extravagant looking fellow who you actually, after two years of living in the East Block, have seen perform a few times. I'll wander over. All right. Oh my God, Beckus, he's coming over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. He's coming over. He's coming over. Do I look okay? How's my hair? Is he looking at me? I can't look back. <laughs> Extra poofy. 
Also, I feel so rude. I did not ask you how your day was. I need to ask you how your day was at some point. All right. You wander over. I'll, um, in Goblin, which I speak, dun, dun. I'll say, <laughs> greetings. I don't mean to interrupt, but I've never seen one of your kind this far south. I also rep- reply in Goblin. Um, Holy shit, you speak Goblin. That is exciting. Hello, do you mind if we speak common? My friend doesn't speak goblin and I don't want to be rude. Um, I'll reply, oh, certainly, common. Thank you. <laughs> uh, hello, I am Bon Bon. I reach out my hand to shake. I'll give a slight bow and shake your hand and say, my name is Carl. Hello, Carl. This is my friend, Be- uh, Beckus. Beckus, this is Salutations, Carl. Carl, from what I've already gathered. It's... Uh, Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you and Rupert, apparently. We were curious, uh, actually, about uh, Rupert, you said? Rupert? Rupert is an old friend of mine. He's been with me for many years. Did you make him? Rupert is my familiar. Grimlock, at this point, by the way, has started trying to climb his way up your arm. This is an odd little fellow. This Um, is my familiar. Ah! um... I I made him. That That's why I was inquiring about whether or not you made Rupert. No, Rupert came to me a few years ago. The wings, I did give him, um, but he just kept climbing so high into trees. And I'm an, I'm an old elf. I don't have the energy nor the desire to go climbing after a young kitten. So I gave him wings so that he would... Be able to get down from high places. I'll pat the little thing that's climbing my arm. He's uh, happy. He's so happy. How uh, large is Rupert, by the way? Um, OOC question, because... He's like a large kitten. Oh, okay, good. Okay. I thought he's... that maybe he was going to be like like twice my size, because I, for some reason <laughs> I was thinking it was huge. <laughs> no, he's he's huge in the uh, girth dimension oh, okay <laughs> he's so he's like garfield he's he's a, he's a <laughs> very well-fed small-sized cat or okay. very large-sized kitten okay. um he can speak too that's one of the things you <gasps> he can, can t- fucking talk i knew it i'm sorry <laughs> you gave him you gave him speech yeah oh, okay. so um please tell me He's, he sounds, however, Jason wants to... Um, Isaac Hayes. Am I supposed to play a cat? <laughs> Do you want hey. me to play him? It is up to you. Uh, Molly has been playing Grimlock, so I've been not playing Grimlock. I mean, to Grimlock. be fair, playing Grimlock is really easy because he literally just makes cute sounds. <laughs> like, that's all he does. <laughs> okay. Um, Rupert, don't be, don't be so shy. Would you say hello, at least? Hello. Oh, my God, it can talk. Uh, I shout. At this point, you hear the clattering... Of a bowl of soup that's hit the ground and fallen out of Annie's hands. <laughs> She's been wandering by and just noticed your cat talk. <laughs> She's standing there. Her eyes are as white as saucers and her mouth is just gaping wide. As are bonbons. Uh, totally. Mir- <laughs> mirroring Annie completely. I'm slightly unfaced. I've seen a bunch of weird crap. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen shit you would funny. Yeah, he's, he's quite shy uh, if he doesn't know you, but Man, once she gets to know you, he never shuts up. And he probably looks mildly offended. 
I think Grimlock at this point would probably continue to stay away from Rupert. I know that they've been staring at each other, but I don't know that he would know how to handle it. Cats, cats can be really territorial. So I think that he would probably just kind of like stare at Rupert a lot. I think Rupert would <clears throat> move towards him non-menacingly. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> so Grimlock would reach out his little hands and try to grab Rupert's face. But like in one of the cute ways that they do. I think, <laughs> I think Rupert would put his little schnooter up and like sniff one of his paws. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean. That yeah. first sniff and like, okay, now Are we just like, that, like narrating like a YouTube cat video? Is that what's going on right now? Uh, he would pro- he would definitely allow it. He's a very loving. Okay, uh, so I think Grimlock and Rupert just became friends. And would you, by the way, I I'm sorry. Um, would you care to join us? We we had a bowl of soup uh, ordered for you. Oh, <laughs> certainly. Um, Which I realize now actually, is very presumptuous. I, or- I ordered ale. I oh, ordered I'm sorry. We had some ale ordered for you. Oh, that's that's much better. I've <laughs> already eaten most of a bowl, and that's why I thought it was so funny that you had a, <laughs> a soup yeah. sent to him because I was sending like... him a bowl of the finest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, would you care to join us? Oh, certainly. Um, I'll um, let me just gather my things. I lean forward to ask Beckus, um, but again, I don't really whisper. But I just say, "Is it okay that I invited him to join us?" Well, this is a communal hall, dear, so anyone is granted to join us. He at a table. seems interesting, and Grimlock likes his cat. How was your day? <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, it was crazy. Good busy. crazy or, or crazy crazy? Well, I made about half the amount that I was expecting to make and made no new leads, so oh. this is more interesting than anything. I am sorry to hear that. Oh. I've got you toiling away over those labs again. Yes, but he gave me time to myself. I have a day off. I have a day what off. Is this? <laughs> I thought perhaps I could take this time to myself tomorrow and go to the bathhouse. Well, it's been a while since I've been out there, and it's been about uh, two weeks now. If you would like to accompany me on my day off tomorrow, I'm not sure what your schedule is. We haven't seen each other much uh, lately. I know you've been very busy, but if you have some time, I would love a companion to the bathhouse. I will have to check my uh, schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Let me check my schedule book. Uh, <laughs> pencil you in. Once I get back to the apartment, I'll check my ledger. Excellent. So, Carl, you join uh, these two misfits at their table. Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) At the exact same time you sit down, you're joined by someone else. A small girl comes swaggering through the door, looking like she owns the place, as always. A young human girl, approximately eight or nine years old. At least that's what she estimates. She doesn't really know when she was born. Brown hair that's scraggly and unkempt hangs about her shoulders, stands about four feet tall, dark brown eyes, and looking a little bit dirty, like, you know, she's been out and just hasn't had time to go to the bathhouse and bathe up, and a look on her face that is both perpetual skepticism and suspicion, but a small smirk today, one that you have come to recognize as she has something important to say, and she strides directly up to Beckus. Look like you have something good to say, Cinta. I just came from Dwerven. He 
has told me that he has a lead for you. He said you'll be very pleased because you've been busting your ass and getting fuck all for it. Sounds about right. What is it? You're supposed to go talk to him and he's going to give you a special invitation in three days' time. Something about a Mullen chap from, that, uh, from the Mullen family. He reckons that the Molins, since they're out of Ishtin, where slavery is still legal, maybe they'll be kidnapping the children and selling them back there. This particular individual has uh, been doing some business here in the East Block, so it's a good leap. The whole time Santa's talking, by the way, I'm pointing at the cat, trying to get her to look at it. <laughs> she seems very focused on impressing yeah. <laughs> Beckus with, with this piece of amazing news. No, that is actually really good. At a certain point, she does look over and eyes go wide. She kind of checks herself, tries to look casual. Cat's got fucking wings. <laughs> That's why I wanted her to look at it. <laughs> I feel like he should say something back to her. Well, don't you have a mouth on you? Cat <laughs> fucking talks. So do you. <laughs> I'm, I'm freaking out over here. I'm like... Really entertained. This is probably the most fun that Bonbon's had like, <laughs> since she came to Portion Grand. Uh, Becky, you just keep getting weirder and weirder friends. <laughs> that is excellent news, though. So Dwarven wants to see me tonight? He says, come by in three days. He's going to give you okay. a special invite. He's making the arrangements right now. You're going get to get to go to a fancy party. A bunch of fancy people. What's this about people selling children? Oh, shit. I guess I should have shut my lip. Uh. (laughs) Fuck all. I forgot there's somebody else in the room. If you fucking looked at the damn cat as soon as you came in, you might have noticed. (laughs) Um, Children have gone missing in Portion Grand lately, uh, and we uh, are just wondering why. Not not in any way involved. Bonbon's a bad liar. (laughs) <laughs> um, but she's attempting Are you to attempting make it sound to... casual. <laughs> like You want to make a deception check? Yeah, let's do it. Let's make a deception check to see if I can get you to Actually, think that we dice. just casually wonder about missing children and that this, we're not actually investigating. Oh, hey, uh, 21. Okay. No, that's a 19. 24. 24. Okay, that will beat your perception, DC. So as far as you're concerned... Uh, she Smooth seems casual. <laughs> you don't know about this other guy <laughs> with her, but especially considering the small child just walked up and started, you know, talking. I'm perform an intimidation well, check were... and say, what do you know about the missing children? <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, are you going to try to intimidate Carl? Welcome right. to Grand Design. Well, I mean, we might as well learn uh, the way this is going to work. Is you're going to make an intimidation roll versus Carl's will DC, which is your will bonus plus ten. That's a twenty-four. Damn! Holy crap! We're just running all over you right now, <laughs> right, Carl. You you just sat down with these people. You got good cop, bad cop. E- easy, easy. I I don't know anything about it. I just don't think it's right. Okay. I think we can probably trust him. <laughs> she says casually. <laughs> She's trying so hard to be cool in front of this old ass elf. And I'm I just, am. Like, not having it. I Listen, I, I've, I've only been in the city for like two years, and I've only been awake for just a bit longer. Um, awake? awake? 
Oh, um, I'm a great bit older than either of you. Well, I figured you'd had some years on there, but how old are we talking here? I have spent many centuries asleep as a tree. Bon Bon just loses her shit. (laughs) I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, the Antazi. Before there was a great schism of my people, we were all one. Um, And I left to explore the world. I've been many places and lived many lifetimes under many different names. And most recently, I spent quite some time as a beautiful tree by a river. I came to a few years back, and this city we're in now had sprung up out of nowhere. So I decided to wander over and investigate. Along the way, I picked up Rufus, who you've met. Name is Rupert, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. You failed your deception check. (laughs) Everyone roll initiative. (laughs) Along the way, I picked up Rupert, who you've met. And I've been here for about two years. I've practiced a number of crafts in my lifetime, and now I like to carve. I like to make little trinkets for people, and I'll give them both a little thing from my robes. I I carry tons of little wooden carved things, because that's what my character does in their downtime. Whatever you give me, I put in my hair. <laughs> it's um probably a little... Chubby, stout-legged dog. Oh, I straight up put that in my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It looks very similar to a basset hound. I love you. (laughs) And I'll I'll give Beckus a little uh, figure of a of a peacock with uh, some they're less colorful, some feathers or something, or maybe like a chicken. A carved chicken. I don't think I I had a peacock in my robes. Um, I I sometimes carve animals I've encountered on my travels, and I would like you to have these. uh. Beckus takes the trinket and says, thanks for the cock. (laughs) (laughs) He set it on the table in front of me. Are you the most interesting person in Borsham Grand? Because I feel like you might be. Oh, most certainly not. I... Don't remember a lot of my travels, but... But you were a tree. I think you're fucking bullshitting. Cinta. Well, <laughs> you, can, you can think whatever you'd like. I'm not really too concerned. Can you turn into a tree right now? Yeah, do it. It's more of a gradual process. I'm not sure what your familiarity with elves is. But... I have very little... We don't age in the traditional sense, and we have the ability to change ourselves as we would. How? If, okay, so if you, hear me out. So you decide you want to be a tree, so you, have, you, you change into a tree. But then once you're a tree, how do you change back? Where is your consciousness when you're a tree? How do you make decisions as a tree? It's a very woody decision-making process. 
Have you ever been pecked, pecked by a woodpecker? <laughs> Do you feel things? Wait, this is like deja vu from the. I don't the know. Tobin and where's the <laughs> Wait, let's take do do you do you do I feel things as I would imagine you'd be have some sort of awareness. You spent centuries as a tree, but you carve wood now. Isn't that a little morbid? Oh, well, the, the, oh that's, <laughs> that's <sick>. pretty dark. <laughs> okay, Antazi generally change their forms to resemble different forms of themselves. They change their skin color, their height. Uh, they change their gender. Uh, they change their hair color. They can do whatever they want. Changing into a tree is a very big undertaking because you literally end up with the consciousness of a tree. The fact that you're no longer a tree is actually fairly astounding because in all likelihood, after changing into the tree, unless a druid had come along and say awakened you, you should have remained a tree forever. It's one of those places you can go and but not necessarily come back. Now, the wild elves, the Kondasu, have experienced changing into beasts and trees. So they always maintain a portion of their consciousness. The Antasi, not so much because it's a different tradition. The wild elves are sort of almost druidic by nature in their, you know, in their very DNA. So you, however, coming from before the split, you still would have been more Antasi than nature-related. But yeah, the chance that you changed back from a tree is probably a big mystery to you at this point. <laughs> like, how did you get back? What caused you to wake up? So, I'm not really sure why I turned back into what I am. Um, I remember lots of seasons, lots of rain, the feel of the wind through my branches, and then one day I just remembered who I was and realized that I was less tree and more elf. Eventually my skin softened, my branches retracted, and I was again an elf. I believe there must have been some sort of event that brought me out of it. Bon Bon is just stunned. I got nothing. That's At this crazy. point, Cinta uh, has just turned completely skeptical. She looks at the rest of you. All right, Bacchus. Well, just make sure you don't. Uh, make sure you show up. Dwaven needs to talk to you. Good to see you again, Bon Bon. You too, Gramlock. Same to you, uh, And you, you weird man. <laughs> your cat's brilliant, but you're fucking nuts. <laughs> and she turns and storms out the door. Fuck off, Cinta. Bye. <laughs> About half the the uh, customers at the Slavia Bowl kind of turn towards you as you cheerfully tell Cinta to fuck off. Becca's kind of leans down on his bench a little bit and scrunches down. <laughs> I'm learning yeah. how to swear. Cinta has been teaching me. That's a very useful skill. Right? That's what I said. I like you. I find you fascinating. Did we get our soup yet? <laughs> Your soup is arriving. <laughs> I'm, I started eating At the eating same my soup. <laughs> time, Cinta is walking out the door. She's almost hit in the face with the door. As three very scruffy looking individuals come strolling in to the sloppy bowl. Now, those of you with Portion Grand lore instantly recognize them. I don't have that. I do. All right. I do. However, um, Bon Bon, you can make a society roll to see if you've encountered these particular people before. 27. She's got the You're weight of You're fucking on fire tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these are like the best rolls I've ever had. Yeah, we're going to get into the combat. It's going to be like one. Yeah. One. One. I light myself on fire. Yep, I'm going to use my talisman up like the very first fight. I know it. 
So you recognize them as well. One of the prominent gang affiliations in the East Block is a group known as the Blood Razors. They're known because they carry or dangle straight razors from their belts to let everybody know. The thing is, the Blood Razors are actually a group of about two dozen smaller gangs who affiliate themselves under one title in order to sort of push their weight around against the other uh, influences within the East Block. This particular faction of Blood Razors is known as the Jesters. Uh, they signal to the world who they are and what faction they are from by tying these tiny little bells into their clothing uh, or into their hair or dangling it off of their weapons and so forth. You, uh, Bon Bon, have actually uh, met a couple of these jesters before, uh, including this one that seems to be leading this small pack because Gartuk's shop lies within jester territory. And so he has to, every month or every week, they come down. He has to give them a little bit of money for to protect his business. You don't really understand why, but Gartuk seems, if not necessarily happy about it, um, he's not so, seems to be a part of doing business. There are three jesters that walk in at this point. The one you recognize as Bolan. He's human or in his early 30s. Uh, he's got a messy rat's nest of black hair and very dark eyes. Average height sort of large frame and stocky. By the way, all three of them are dressed in sort of plain, dull-colored clothing, patchwork leather armor. It looks like it's been made from bits and pieces of leather that they've found. They all have hand crossbows hanging off their belts and large leather saps. Bullen walks in at the lead of this group, and he's kind of obsessively twirling this coin between his fingers. It's a very large silver coin, which is kind of unusual in and of itself because most silver coins... Uh, minted are about the size of dimes. This thing is giant. It's like about the size of a, like a silver dollar. Right behind him is another male human. He's mid-twenties. Uh, he's got short blonde hair. Looks like he probably cut it with a dull knife in the dark. He's a little taller than Bullen. Another lanky build. and Kind of glancing around the room cautiously. And right behind them, a female, mostly human, Although her features say that she's probably got some Suel blood in her somewhere down the road. What is Suel? Uh, Suel. Antasi Suel, Conda Suel, Elven blood. Oh, thank you. Uh, she looks, her appearance looks teenager-ish, but it's very deceptive if she has uh, Elven blood in her because they age so slowly. She has braided bright red hair with bells sewn into it and these reflective silver eyes. She's tall and thin and moves very, very fluidly. I would like both of you with Porsham Grand Lore to make a roll, please. 23. 21. Okay, so both of you know right off the top of your head that the Sloppy Bowl and uh, some of the surrounding businesses in this area are in what is considered a neutral zone, which means that the gangs don't have any influence. They can't run roughshod over it. They can't cause any problems in it. Sort of secured by the 11th hour as places that are inherently beneficial to the good of the people in the East Block, and thus they are protected from the gangs coming in and extorting them until they run out and then people start starving to death. The East Block's seen several starvation events and food riots, so they try to prevent those things from happening in the future. And you know that the Jester's territorial line stops about a block north of here. So they're in here, uh, maybe just looking for a bowl of soup. Although that myth is quickly dispelled when they kind of wander around. And you can tell they're sort of putting their presence and their weight into the room. And Bruinia 
quickly walks over to them and says, you're always looking for some soup. I hope you're not here looking for some trouble. At which point Bolin leans forward, not looking for any trouble, really. I'm just checking out this place. It's uh, it's going to belong to us soon. We got some deals in the works and just wanted to look around and maybe see what uh, what it's going to be worth to you to stay open. Can we hear this conversation? Yeah, he's not trying to be quiet about it at all. He's still got a couple of weeks to clean up, but uh, you best start thinking about how you're going to be paying your tithe to the jesters. Brynny just kind of stares him down. This area is neutral. We are protected. This territory never be spent. Like I said, there's deals in the works. Things are going to change around here. Still, the whole time, just flipping this coin-like thing. He's just spinning it between his fingers, like very deftly, but very uh, almost nervously. I'm just sort of holding a spoonful of my soup up at my mouth, but I keep not eating it because I'm just listening. How many feet away are they? Um, they're near the door, so they're about 30 feet away from your position. Like I said, it's a very sizable soup kitchen. I'm gonna ready myself, just in case. Alright. Uh, all Another thing to consider, outright killing of people in gangs it brings about a sort of I don't want to say legal, but uh, expected retribution from that gang, unless they happen to be crossing into uh, territory that isn't theirs and starting business. So if a jester went into the territory of like uh, one of the other gangs, like a songbird, and started trouble there. If they killed the songbirds, the songbirds would have retribution rights. If the songbirds killed the jesters, the jesters would have none. So you know what I'm saying? So if you step into someone else's country or territory, they're allowed to strike back. So you know that being this is neutral territory, if you were to say, put an arrow through someone's eye, you would be in questionable sort of uh, stasis of whether they could get vengeance on you or not. Brunia just continues to insist, you know, why don't you just, uh, unless you're going to be ordering something to eat, then you might want to just step out. Why don't you come back when your so-called deals have been made? Bowen kind of leans in on her a little and says, oh, I think I just want to look around a bit. Looks over at the, the younger man and says, Godfrey, what do you think? The man snakes his head around a long neck. Yeah, it's place... Doesn't look like it's going to pull anything in. It'd be better probably to use it for something else. These people, they're mostly rabble. The girl speaks up. It's not going to be profitable. Soup kitchen? What do we need a soup kitchen for? The weak starve. At this point, the girl rests her eyes on Bon Bon. Now that's a strange little thing, isn't it? Must have escaped from the zoo somewhere. Bonbon's like tightening her grip on her soup spoon, but she doesn't say anything. I heard her say that, right? Yeah. She's not being not being quiet about it. Yeah, I I don't I don't say anything, but I I, I wish I could, but I don't. I'm just right. kinda looking at the my companions around the table and then just kind of putting my head down. I'm gonna rise gently from the table and proclaim in an intimidating manner. Unless you have anything else constructive to say, you will be in a zoo. That was really bad. 
I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> All right, Bacchus, why don't you make an intimidation check? What was it? 27. 27? Yeah. That's uh, actually going to be a critical success. She takes a few quick steps back as she, her one of her hands drops down to the sap that's at her side, and she kind of gets this very, uh, very much intimidated look on her face as you speak. She just kind of steps back, moves behind the one called Godfrey, and leans over towards Bull and said, "We let's just take off. We'll come. We'll come back when it's ours. It'll be ours. Don't worry about that." points her finger in your group's general direction. We'll be back for you as well. I look really proud of this. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I also don't think. Are they about to leave? Uh, they look like they're sort of turning to leave. Bolin takes one last look around. His eyes rest on Brynja and then lazily drop down to Brynja's children who have sort of wandered up at this point. Oh, don't don't worry, you'll... You'll do what we say. It's a shame when bad things happen to family. And then he turns and, trailed by his two cronies, walk out the door of the sloppy bowl and into the street. Can they really do that? Can they just come in here and take over the place? More importantly, Bon Bon, did uh, Grimlock smell those pieces of crap? <laughs> Grimlock! Come here. Grimlock is still kind of like locked with Rupert in like what I imagine is a new friend hug. I don't know. But they're like doing <laughs> It's just like the, <laughs> the scratch fest, the dual scratch fest. Yeah. Um, Rupert's like grabbing his little like stuff with his Grim- little, Grimlock his scampers over to you. Little hands. So I call Grimlock over and grateful to have a friend like Beckus who thinks about things that I don't. I ask, uh, you know, like I ask Grimlock. Did you pick up their scent by chance? Did you smell those things, or were you too busy burying your face in this winged cat? Right, you can have Grimlock make, as you have done before, a okay. survival roll. Let's All see right. if you roll a natural 20 this time. <laughs> God, that was heathens. so great. I loved that day. <laughs> yeah, it was such was a good, good day. day. Uh, 21. 21 total? Yeah. All right. Grimlock looks up at you, uh, nods. His fuzzy head and gives you the big thumbs up. He's yeah, he caught their scent. Would you like me to have him follow them? He's a brave little one. I'd like him to follow him for as long as he can. Okay, I instruct Grimlock to listen to Beckus to his instructions. So <laughs> he nods and okay. goes scampering. Wait, wait! I hug him. Okay, now I let him go. Right. <laughs> I know I can he just make a new with one, you but <laughs> with a sad face. <laughs> I'm going to slowly rise up after he exits the door, and I'm going to try to, like, keep a range. I'm trying to keep him in sight. I hope you don't mind. I might just follow along. I think we can trust him, I say again very loudly. (laughs) You can keep it casual this time, Bon Bon, and if I split off, it's not because I'm leaving you. I was really worried. I, you know, I thought maybe I had, I had, I had just annoyed you, and, and I, I thought that I was never going to see you again. I, I don't know all these new emotions. <laughs> I'm going to drop my, my pack with uh, my artisan's tools and ask uh, Brynja to keep an eye on it. Because you're not going to go out there and cause trouble with those gestures, are you? Oh, no. I'm just merely going to... They'll cut you into pieces. I'm just following Beckus. I'm... More curious than anything, and just in case he gets I into trouble. I call over my shoulder. 
With all due respect, Bruinia, I'm pretty sure he's old enough to take care of himself. Well, yeah, you're a smart ass, aren't you? <laughs> Thank you for the soup. <laughs> you're welcome. Yes, I can watch your pack. I'll catch up with Beckus. Don't get yourselves killed. My children would be devastated if they weren't able to, to see Grimlock again, at least. Maybe I'm sure they'd get over <laughs> Beckus at the very... <laughs> I danced at her christening. <laughs> <laughs> you did indeed. You're half drunk too. Uh, I I like shovel like at least a few spoonfuls of the fucking soup in my mouth because <laughs> I didn't actually get to eat any of it. So, so you all one by one filter out of the sloppy ball, following the tiny little fuzzy Gremlock as he sniffs his way down the street. Uh, go ahead and make a survival check for Gremlock. 18. Nice. So Grimlock manages to maintain the scent, and he leads you sort of in a northeasterly direction, almost back toward where you work with Gartuk at his alchemical supply store. And at this point, why doesn't everybody go ahead and make perception checks? Mm. 13. 12. 19. All right, Beckus, you're the first one to hear as you're all moving forward and Grimlock's sniffing his way forward. Uh, you hear some voices up ahead around the corner talking. I turn around in motion and hold the finger up to my mouth. I freeze. Now you too can hear. It sounds to be very, like, some sort of impassioned speaking coming from around the corner in an alley. Mm. What are they saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said we can hear it. What are they saying? Like you can I hear am, voices being raised. Uh, uh, I am going to drop down to stealth and approach the mouth of the alleyway. All uh, right. Make stealth check versus uh, their perception DC. I'd also like to stealth. Are you sure about that? Can you can you stealth? <laughs> this character can stealth. Okay. <laughs> Everybody likes to stealth. And then there's that one guy who's just like falls over a trash can. 23 13 <laughs> but I'm not I'm not I'm not approaching uh as close I'm just kind of like staying back but being very sneaky I guess I'll can I also just they're dropping to stealth drop I'm actually stealth, approaching yeah. the alleyway He's actually taking a stealth action we're not we're just being stealthy getting into stealth Okay uh 25 24 All right so uh Bonbon Beckus you are like whisper However Carl Fucking Carl. <laughs> Carl. Uh, ends up kicking what appears to be a discarded piece of raw fruit, which kind of rolls its way down the alley, making a little bit of noise. Sorry. <laughs> Beckus, uh, as you are approaching the alleyway, you can hear the voices of the people who were in the sloppy bowl. Obviously, these three jesters again. You recognize mainly sort of impassioned voice of Bolan their leader, as he is sort of rambling on about they're going to respect the jesters again. Eleventh hour has been here, what, what, ten years maybe? Jesters have been here since the walls went up. We should own this entire place. And they're not going to be sitting around putting in regulations in neutral areas. That's not the way this works. We were locked up here, and it is our home. Those people 
don't want to live by our rules, then they can leave. Or we'll take them out like we did to that girl. Drop them in the lake. About the time he finishes his tirade, a piece of rotted fruit rolls by your feet. (laughs) Past you. And you hear the voices stop suddenly. Put my you know, faith in you, Carl. <laughs> this is this is literally the best Carl. stealth bonus I've ever had on a character. <laughs> I don't, don't understand. Okay, so we didn't actually hear what they said, but uh, Becca no, did. Becca did. Okay. As this piece of fruit rolls into the mouth of the alley, <laughs> uh, you hear them stop talking, and they go. You hear the the woman's voice. What's that? What is what's going on? Godfrey, go check it out. Hear like a slapping noise, and then you hear footsteps approaching you, Beckus. What do y'all do? Uh, I wait. I extremely stealthily <laughs> ready my bow just in case. <laughs> All right. I want very badly to to like shout up to Beckus that it was not me. <laughs> Kick the fruit into the alley, but I don't. Beckus, what are you doing? I'm thinking. Um, <laughs> you don't have much time to think. The footsteps are getting closer. We should go, Beckus. I retreat. All right. So you all back off? Yes. It wasn't me who kicked the fruit. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't snuck in a long time. <laughs> it's okay. You were a tree. It makes sense. Yeah, we're very creaky. <laughs> Enough whispering. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> At this point, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to have you all make uh, reflex checks to see how fast you manage to get out of the alley versus him making a perception check to see how fast he notices that you're in the alley. 25. Whoa. Okay. Bon Bon, that's like quick. I have really good reflex. (gasps) Hey. 23. Yeah. And Beckus, what was that again? 16. 16. And his perception check. So, Bon Bon, Carl, you managed to scamper out of the alley. However, Beckus, you're just a moment too late. You know, you're right at the end uh, of this alley and getting out uh, back onto the street and around a corner when you hear the voice behind you, Godfrey's voice, going, Hi, it's those freaks. Those them freaks from the... From the soup kitchen. I see one of them right there. I think he's following us. I don't remember if that was his actual voice, but it is now. <laughs> Do you all continue to just beat feet? Um, I would definitely be watching Beckus to see what he does because I'm kind of following his lead here. If he needs help, I'm going to help. I'm, I'm not just going to run and leave him. I'm kind of imagining us Scooby-Dooing our heads around the corner <laughs> at different heights. Uh, watching Grimlock Beckus. on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to shout back at him. Can a guy take a piss in peace? And start beginning to unbuckle my pants. <laughs> Rolling for a uh, deception check. Okay, make it. 24. Survey says he's All right. <laughs> All right, he scowls at you from down the alley. He says, don't piss on jester walls. At this point, you see the leader, Bullen, kind of walks out of the alley and is facing in your direction. He's still sitting there, again, just nervously spinning this coin. He looks down at you. 
I suggest you leave and find someone somewhere else to relieve yourself. My friends here are itching for blood, and it might be yours. Right now, we'll give you a small pass, but best to scamper off little kitty before the wolves eat you. How far down the alley are they? Uh, the alleyway goes about 20 feet before it splits into the other alley that they just walked out of. So they're about 20 feet away from you. <laughs> the chaotic side of me is... Give them both <laughs> barrels! ...is kind of taking over. So I'm going to use my... Ma- uh, well, is he twirling it right now? Or is it just... Is is it in his hand? Like, uh, no, he's, he's, it's spinning, on top? he's spinning it between his fingers. So technically it's unattended? It is technically attended. You want to knock that coin out of his hand, I don't you? I want to pull it out of my hand and then throw it right back in his face. <laughs> okay. You know what? Um, since it's not attended in such a way that it's secure, I would allow you to make a spell attack roll. The DC is going to be his reflex saving throw DC. I like the idea that we're still just like Scooby Doing around the wall. Well, I just rolled a natural twenty with Yay! eight on top of, course of that. Of course you did. So of course you did. That's a critical success. Mm-hmm. Oh, he just lost his coin forever. Woot! So you reach out with your mage hand and mm-hmm. snatch this coin out of his hand and come drawing it back, and you drop back in your hand to what? To chuck it back at him? I have it in my hand, and my hand is back. And I pronounce that I will return blood and kind. All right. Before you pronounce anything, I'm going to need you to do something for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. As the coin enters your hand, I need you to make <gasps> a will save. It's oh. magic. <laughs> no. <laughs> 13. 13. 13 is a failure. Can not I a, give but him not a my critical failure. angel talisman? <laughs> I'm gonna. You Use know a what? Hero point. I've got two hero points. I'm gonna re-roll that bit. All right. <laughs> I'm freaking out, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> what, what'd you get now? Can I only do it once per roll? I think you're only technically allowed to do it because it's a fortune effect and you only ever use one. What'd you get now? A natural one? No, I got a two, so it's like way lower. <laughs> All right, that is a critical failure. Nine. As the coin hits your hand, the first thing you feel is it's mine now, and you just put it in your pocket absent. <gasps> Shit, uh, sort it's of absent mindedly. <laughs> we gotta go to more you know, guys. <laughs> when I was developing this item, I knew somebody was gonna make that <laughs> fucking joke. Uh, at this point, Bolin seems rather upset that you just stole his lucky coin. And we're gonna need to roll some initiatives. So, perception checks for everyone. You just started a fight. Well, <laughs> but you got a cool sorta. coin. Out. It was the one ring. You can't, re- you can't resist it. 16. I make one for them. Ooh. Just one? Do they fight as one? Uh, it's called a lot easier for combat. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, what did you get? 14. All right. Bon Bon. 13. Vagus. 16. All right. They go first. Now, the first thing that happens is Bolan screams, You son of a bitch! He basically runs down the length of the alley right up to you. He uses his special quick draw ability to draw a weapon and make a strike in one action. What is your armor class, good sir? 
That's a 15. 15? You did raise your armor class due to your leveling up, correct? Uh... Oh, were we supposed to do that? Every, anything that gets a proficiency bonus? If you're trained in armor, it's worth two plus your level. Oh. All of your attack rolls, all of your armor class, all of your skills, all of your saving throws, all of those should have gone up by one. Do you have any dex bonus? Plus two. So it should be 16 right now. Okay. He swings, and that's going to be a 20 to hit with his sap that he pulled out of his belt. Seven points of bludgeoning damage as he thwacks you on the side of the head. Why are you always getting hurt? <laughs> then he takes a second shot at you. I need to protect This is an you. agile weapon, so it's only minus four. It is a natural one. He swings incredibly wide and misses terribly. Following right behind him is the one called Godfrey, who runs up and slips by uh, his boss and out into the alley. Uh, that's two actions, one to get down the alley and one to s- the squeezing by his boss is going to take extra movement. So it's two movement actions that he takes. When he gets out of the alley, he realizes that uh, Bon Bon and Carl are also there. It looks <laughs> a bit surprised. Uh, how far away are either of you from the mouth of the alley? I would Scooby Dooing around. Scooby Doo leaving in. So you're right yeah. there. Yeah, we're, we're right, right there. Wait, wait. And his bow is drawn, correct? My bow's readied. Yeah. Okay, he swings at you. He does a quick draw to draw a weapon and make a strike at the same time and takes a swing at you. What is your armor class? 17. He rolls a 13. He swings, but you manage to dodge out of the way. And then coming up behind the two of them, around the corner and down the alley, but sort of unable to get anywhere due to the clogged. Nature of the mouth of the alley comes the final one, uh, the one whose name you did not know, but her name's Tink, by the way. Tink? Yes. <laughs> that makes me happy. And, uh, Beckus, it's your turn. You have a bruise on the side of your head, a little bit of bleeding, and the jester known as Cullen is right in front of you. Um, the one that critically missed, is he... Did he fall behind me, or how is he positioned? No, critical failures on uh, attacks don't do anything unless you have some sort of special ability to make them do something, like against them, like a reaction of some sort. Unless we were using the critical fumble deck, which we're not going to do because it's completely out of control. (laughs) Does it give you a bunch of status cards that are like, you hit your nose on the pavement? I'm just wondering if he's flat-footed or not. He would not be flat-footed. Okay. No, but the critical fumble deck, there are things where you accidentally cut your own head off. It's... (laughs) It's ridiculous. I want to play with the critical fumble. We might do a fun game, <laughs> but it, I feel like it's the kind of thing that would instantly destroy a game on accident. Yeah. I am going to draw my main gauche, my parrying dagger, and with my secondary action, I'm going to attempt to disarm. All right. You are going to make an athletics check against the opponent's reflex DC, which in this case is 16. 14. 14? All right. Uh, you know what? Okay. Hero point. Yep. Reroll. Hero point. All right. Do it. <laughs> Get you rid of him. That's better. 18. 18? Yep. 18 is a success. Now, the nature of disarm is you weaken your opponent's grasp on this item until the start of the creature's turn. Attempts to disarm the opponent get a plus two circumstance bonus. And they take a minus two circumstance penalty to attacks with the item or other checks requiring a firm grasp on the item. Why? Why, Pathfinder? Disarming so hard now. But disarming should just be you literally knock the weapon out of his hand. Like, that's what it is to disarm well, someone. <laughs> you can tell that he's losing his grip on the item, but you do need a critical success to actually disarm someone. 
So you'd need to be able to roll a 26 or higher, or natural 20. And your next attack will have a penalty to it. Mm-hmm. But you got yourself a nice new shiny coin. That I did. Um, Are you going to get all twitchy now, though? Is he going to start, like, twitching? Maybe. <laughs> my third action, I'm going to draw one of my whips. All right, you draw your whip. Next uh, turn goes to Carl. You're standing next to this guy. You got your bow out. I'm going to cast a magic weapon on my bow. All right. Now, as you go to cast a magic weapon, he attacks because he actually has attack of opportunity. Okay. Uh, his attack roll is not enough to hit you. <laughs> um, with my remaining one action, I'm going to shoot him. All right. Normally, that would provoke an attack of opportunity as well, but he just used it. Um, I have, I think it's volley, so it's minus two because, because I'm within, within 30 feet. Range. Okay. But the magic weapon will add one. Yeah, so it's a plus six. Uh, it's going to be a 16. 16 hits. Yay. So you raise your bow directly to his chest and just plug an arrow oh, at him nice. at close range. 12 damage. 12 damage. All right. He grunts and kind of stumbles back, but he's still standing. He looks down incredulously at this arrow that's protruding from his chest. Bon Bon, what you going to do? Okay. Um, I am going to use uh, my first action to uh, withdraw my bestial mutagen. Okay. And then I'm going to activate it. All right, you chug your bestial mutagen, which gives you which effects? Uh, the bestial mutagen gives me a plus one item bonus to a bonus to athletics checks and unarmed attack rolls, and I get a claw unarmed attack uh, and a jaws unarmed attack, so I can now claw and bite people. All right, um, <laughs> you chug your and they're considered magical attacks, by the way. Oh, nice! You yeah. chug your mutagen, and Beckus may or may not have already seen this one, but uh, Carl, you definitely have. haven't. You see this goblin instantly starts growing long teeth and claws and just getting more and more feral looking. She kind of drops the empty vial to the ground where it smashes on the cobbles. Um, Carl's has a shocked look across his face for a second, but there's a guy that just swung at him right in front of him. So he's, <laughs> he's taking it in stride. All right. You have one more action, Bun Bun. Um, I would like to move toward. You're within attack range of Godfrey. So right. I would like I would like to bite him. Okay. But like what does that entail in terms of movement? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like You don't need to move at all. He's right next to you. Okay, so I just like would like to just like sing my teeth. Alright, you just take a chunk out of him. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's huh? an unarmed attack, which you're trained in. Okay. Plus your level. So that's four. And then add your strength modifier unless it's finesse. Are jaws finesse? Does it say Uh Jaws are okay, they're magical attacks and it's Oh, unarmed attack agile. Okay, there you go. Sorry. Agile, but not finesse. Yeah, agile, but not finesse. Okay. So it's the D20 plus four. Uh, plus four, plus your strength modifier if you have any. I do not. All right, roll them up. 14. 14 is going to miss. I would like to use my hero point. <laughs> you guys yeah. are burning, burning through these. <laughs> yeah, all right, that's what I'm talking about. Um, 22. 22 is a hit? Yes. I really want to bite some, you know, like I want to see this in action. It's like, didn't get enough soup. Uh, I know, right? (laughs) Okay, so uh, it's a 1d6 of damage. Two. (laughs) All right. Uh, You take a small nibble out of him. (laughs) 
Uh, he kind of looks more surprised and horrified that you just tried to bite him than anything. So it goes back to their turn. First thing is Godfrey slips. He slips around so that he's no longer having all th- uh, you three on each side and kind of makes his way behind Carl. So that's one action to move. Question. Why don't we get attacks of opportunity? It's a special ability that you mostly just for fighters. There are ways to get it if you <laughs> class into fighter. These pe- these okay. this just so you know, these particular uh, jester thugs are based off of the ruffian NPC, which is essentially a fighter type thing that hits you with a stick. Okay, in the right. game mastery. <laughs> so they ended up with attacks of opportunity. So he circles around. Carl takes a swing. Gets a 20. Ow. <laughs> Does a whopping four points of bludgeoning damage with his sap. He uses his special ability called Snagging Strike, which basically, as he hits you, he reaches out and grabs you by the clothes. It's not enough to uh, keep you from moving, but it is enough to throw you off your balance, making you flat-footed as he takes his second strike. Uh, his second strike is a natural 20. Can I use a hero point on that? You can't use a hero point on my dire <laughs> I think you should be able to force a re-roll of an enemy with a hero point. Nice person. knowing you, boys. <laughs> oh, we Carl, might work we something just in like met that. you. <laughs> now, the problem here is... Uh, yeah, Sabo point. He's going to do double dice of damage, and he's also doing sneak attack damage. You get that. You remember we're level two, right? Like, you remember, like, that we're, like, little bitty babies? <laughs> okay, just checking. You're the sweet, sweet sound of four six-sided I mean, dice. Being they wouldn't have known Ooh. had it not been for Carl, but I did not That's get out of there quickly. That's <laughs> true. All right. A fairly ro- low roll, uh, amounting to a total of 21 points of, oh, sorry. Yes, 21 points of bludgeoning damage. A fairly low roll. Okay, so he's dead now. He's dying. But the sap was the sap was non-lethal. The right? sap is non-lethal. So he's just unconscious. So the thing is, did you lose all your hit points? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely okay. Just making sure. I don't know how much hit points you got. I know it's twenty something. <laughs> it's twenty two zero. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, he whacks you hard on the top of the head, and you fall to the ground unconscious, but not dying because it is a non-lethal weapon. Can I send Grimlock to go like be a pillow for him on the ground? <laughs> like <laughs> it will take one action on your turn. All right, fine. Do I need to record my hit points, or am I just unconscious? No, you are considered at zero hit points. Okay. Uh, non-lethal damage is pretty much the same as lethal damage in Pathfinder Two. The only difference is it won't kill you. Okay, so uh, that was that guy. Bolin is still at odds with uh, Beckus. With Beckus, yes. So he is going to. Attack you with his sap. That is a 12. So that's going to be a big old miss. Mm-hmm. He is going to try again. He's just swinging wildly. Uh, that is worse. He's going to try again with a minus 8. And 15? No? Probably not. No, I have 16. 16. He's just swinging wildly and keeps getting closer and closer and closer as he corrects his distance. And then the last hit comes so close to your nose that you can feel the wind blowing across your face, but he fails miserably. At this point, Tink spins one action to slip by him and back into the position that Godfrey was in. And seeing that Caro is no longer a threat, it proceeds to swing at Bonbon. Give me that look for <laughs> You know why I'm giving you that look. You're the DM. Ooh, the mm. first swing is going to be a 26. 
fucks. What the fuck, Jason? <laughs> I'm just eating soup. It's all. <laughs> what is your army class? 17. It's 17? Mm-hmm. You were lucky because you just barely... Yeah, right. a critical because I got padded armor today. I don't want to. Be, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't want to be that person. But don't you get minus one for the mutagen? <gasps> I do get minus one for the mutagen, so I'm six armor class. Yeah, yeah. It's it's oh. negative one to AC and negative two to reflex. No, be that person because so I totally forgot. I'm sorry. I, uh, it's okay. It's no, 16. thank you because I'm not going to remember any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like writing it down. Anyway, uh, you get whacked in the head to a total of eleven points of bludgeoning damage. Okay. And she does that same old thing where she sort of grabs you by the armor, oh, throwing you God. off your balance Rib. as she takes a second swing. That one is going to be 24 minus 4, so 20. However, you're flat-footed. So you're... Now, here's something. Since modifiers do not stack, flat-footed gives you a minus 2 circumstance penalty to armor class. What kind of penalty is the mutagen give you? It just says... Negative one penalty to AC. That's what it says on the cheat sheet. Oh, it doesn't say status penalty, item penalty. Nope. Let's go ahead and look that up real quick. Is it going to matter when this campaign is over at the end of the first? <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna yeah, if die. we all die hey, right now, something. none of this is going to matter. <laughs> well, die, just be knocked unconscious and find yourself like naked and tied to a flagpole. <laughs> Not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> just like the words "nerd" painted on you. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's an item bo- an item penalty because okay. it's also an item bonus. So we're just going to call it that. So then which one is negated? The negative one item penalty or the negative two circumstance penalty? Uh, it's going to be a total of minus three to your armor class. What the? F- so your armor class is going to be 14? Yeah. No, roll, I'm sorry. Rolled a total yeah, of 20. So did not critically hit you. But, but it did because hit you're flat-footed, it's sneak attack. So she gets precision. How is it a sneak attack? She just hit me. I totally see her. It's <laughs> her ability as she hits you, the snagging strike. She basically grabs you by your clothes and throws you off balance. So when she hits you again, she gets you right where she wants you. I'm just so saying, she, technically, that not new a padded sneak armor because I totally she see just her. grabbed onto your brand new padded armor and used it for leverage. <laughs> All right. Luckily, you only took. I rolled very low, seven points of bludgeoning damage. Oh, great! So I only have eight hit points left. I, yep. I like that. Very low is twenty-one points earlier. I know, right? Like what the fuck. <laughs> All right. I rolled like two ones on that roll. <laughs> it could have been worse. Well, I mean, it couldn't have been worse. You're just going to unconscious anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's move on, shall we? Uh, Beckus. Uh, one friend is unconscious. Another friend is being hit repeatedly over the head. Uh, <laughs> and let's see. The guy in front of you is completely unwounded. Uh, Godfrey looks like he could have definitely used a nap. Uh, but uh, the girl who is standing right next to you right now is not wounded either. Is she facing me? Is she distracted? Or uh, She sort of has her side to you. Unfortunately, She's the way everybody's her. positioned right now and the way people have backs to the wall and so forth, you would not be able to get a flank on anyone. I'm going <laughs> to faint tink. All right. Make your deception check against her perception DC. You're trying to beat a 16. Well, that's a 20. All right. You're successful. I, I'm sorry. That's a 22. So you're using your main gosh? I am going to use my whip. All right. To faint. <laughs> now, Big old crack at her. So you kind of crack the whip in the air. That is one action to faint. You now have two actions left. That is an attack. That is not an attack action. 
It is just a mental action. Well, then, shoot. Wow, okay. So it does not take away from your... It doesn't add penalties. That's a huge, nice. huge change from Pathfinder uh, Pathfinder 1, where it was considered an well, attack. Well, I'm going to try to stab this woman right between her shoulders. All right, go for it. She is flat-footed. Oh, my God. That's 12. 12 is still not enough to hit. I'm going to try again. So minus 5 or minus 4 if it's agile. Uh, homie is an agile, so it's minus four. I rolled the exact same thing, so no, I did not hit someone who's flat-footed. <laughs> <laughs> you swing, but you're thrown off by uh, Bolan sort of looming over you, and uh, you spend so much time defending yourself against this against him that you do not land your shots. Bonbon. Bon. All right. Well, things are not looking good for no. y'all. No, <laughs> and because our DM is a dick, I'm going to spend my first action revivifying, which is my new class feat where I can essentially deactivate my currently active mutagen, metabolize it, and heal for 1d6 HP. So I'm going to do that real quick. All right. That's free action? It just says one action in parentheses. Oh, it's an, act- an yeah, actual action? Yeah, it is action? one action. Okay, yeah. I thought it was a free action for some reason. So I'm going to slowly become less feral and my hands and jaw go back to normal. And you're I look- still unconscious though, aren't you? No, I no. wasn't ever unconscious. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm just down to 80. close. All right, so I heal for four. So I'm up to 12 HP now. Okay, and then is the woman still hitting me in the head? She's flat-footed. Uh, but she was flat-footed? She is flat. No, if you would have critically That's succeeded, only- she would have been flat-footed to everyone. But uh, she's only flat-footed to you okay. until the end of your next turn. Is Bacchus within five feet of her? Of Bonbon? Uh, no, of with tank? the woman that's him. Yeah, it's right next to him. Shit. Here's the thing, guys. And Everything so, I so have is, has splash damage. Do it. So, so we need so to is, like, stop yeah. getting into fights in alleyways. I've got 19, <laughs> I've got 19 hit points left. Just yeah. do it. The problem is, so is uh, Carl. Carl is laying yeah, and on the other side of her. So I really can't. All right, then my only real option. Fuck me. Okay, I am going to try to. She has an attack of opportunity. They have demonstrated that they have the attack of opportunity ability. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry to ask this again, but is she still actually holding on to me? Uh, the snagging strike. Basically, she just grabs onto you loosely to throw you off balance. It's not an actual grapple. She like yanked on your clothes, let go, and then hit you. Yeah. The technical rules of it are you are considered flat-footed to her until you move out of her reach. Okay. Or until the end of, or the beginning of her next turn, I think. All right. Additional question. So he's unconscious. He is indeed. Okay. How many actions would it take for me to send Grimlock over to wake him up? Uh, It takes one action to command your familiar. Okay. And then... Uh, would Grimlock waking him up also consume one of my actions, or is that separate? No, uh, what it is, you spend one action to have Grimlock perform two actions on his own. Okay. Now, the problem with this is that uh, Grimlock has no means to wake him up. He needs to be healed since he was knocked unconscious. Didn't we, like... If someone is healed back up and hits zero hit points... Uh Uh, I believe they can be. Let's let's Didn't look at the unconscious. Didn't we have this situation happen in the prologue though? Can't Grimlock you, perform like basic first aid? Because I can. Grimlock. I'm almost positive we ran into this exact same yeah. situation with with Beckus in the prologue. You stabilized Cinta, but I think that was it. 
Yeah. Uh, he like went over and shoved his butt in her wound mm-hmm. and you saved did, her life. That happened because you literally spent a hero point. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, yeah. But uh, in that case, though, the problem is used, going over and using medicine to do a treat wounds action. That's a 10 minute action. Okay. It takes 10 minutes to do full treat wounds unless you have battle medicine and like some feats and stuff like that. All right. Um, fuck it. I guess I'm just going to try to stab this bitch with my dagger. All right. Now, if you had a like do. an elixir of life, he could go pour it down. I do have an throat. elixir of life. It would be one action to hand him an elixir, and then your last action to command him to go over and pour it down Carl's throat. All right. I'm going to do that, but if I die trying to wake you up... <laughs> <laughs> Right. You gotta so. let me pet that cat for like a good five minutes. Like, <laughs> all right, I would like to. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do exactly the thing that you said. Okay. <laughs> so, um, is she gonna attack me? Uh, so actually, you would provoke by taking out the potion because that's an interact action. All right. Well, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna chance it since she's a little distracted by Beckus, and I'm going to pull the elixir of life out of my satchel. All right, and then you can step over. To whatever, and then administer. And then I'll administer the elixir. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Her (laughs) swing on you was a twelve. Well, my AC is sixteen. So back up to seventeen. It's back up to seventeen. Yeah. And you are still flat-footed versus her, so it'd be fifteen. She still misses. Uh, roll, roll some, life, you unconscious bastard. So roll some healing. Whichever oh. you, one of you wants to roll the healing. I'll die. roll the healing. Is it D6? Uh, I don't know. What's it say on your sheet? It is 1D6 hit points. All right. Roll that six-sider. Three. Back up to three. Carl. Carl you have three hit points. <laughs> All right. Do I have any negative conditions from... Nope. Well, uh, prone. Does prone affect my attacking? Yes. Let me read this off for you. You are considered flat-footed with a minus two circumstance penalty to attack rolls. The only move actions you can take are crawl and stand. Standing is the prone condition. You can take cover while prone, blah, 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 blah. So you're flat-footed and you have a minus two to hit. So if I stand, I'm not? Yes, but you will provoke. And I'm adjacent to both people? Yes. And you are flanked, technically, as well. Couldn't you just, like roll away in the other direction does casting and crawl but it's uh, does casting in this provoke casting is an interact or a manipulate action so yes it does provoke but shooting a weapon doesn't shooting a weapon next to someone yes it does you're in, you're in a bad position right now as far as attacks of opportunity you don't have any healing potions do you <laughs> no oh shit <laughs> y'all I gave you so much extra cash I know I forgot to buy healing potions <laughs> I meant to, I meant to, but I didn't write them down Oof. because Carl, I'm a fool. This is not a good first day. Okay? I, I know. I wasn't expecting to get jumped in an alleyway. Um, With us, we're always getting jumped in alleyways, so just be ready. Yeah, actually, this is like our third alleyway fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, regardless of what I do, I'm provoking. Uh, not How if you were to course. attack with a regular weapon. That's what he asked, and you said yes. You said with the bow, right? He just said you, a weapon. Attacking with a weapon, and you said yes. Oh, oh, no. Sorry. If it's a melee weapon, you're fine. What if it's a spell touch attack? Spell touch attacks? I think those are the ones that do not provoke. Let's look it up. So chugging a health potion would still provoke, even if I had one, though. Uh, yes. Pulling out the health potion would provoke, because it's a interact. 
Okay. So. Okay. So, for example, Shocking Grasp is considered an attack electricity evocation. It's funny you'd mentioned Shocking Grasp. it's only grasp. touch. So, I'm just going to say it's a weapon. So, no, it's not going to provoke until uh, I look it up and it I find out differently. How How is the one with the arrow on the chest looking? Pretty rough. I'm going to Shocking Grasp him. All right. You reach out and attempt to fry him. Make an attack roll. It's going to be a melee spell attack. So you're using that. You're not using any sort of unarmed combat or any of that stuff. It's just going to be whatever your spell attack bonus is. Okay. Big money, big money, big money. Um, it's going to be a 16 plus 8. Do I still have a minus 2 because I'm prone? Yes. So it's going to be a 22. 22 is going to hit. Carl! <laughs> He lights up like a Christmas tree. That's going to be a 9 and a 4. 13 damage. All right, uh, is he, he wearing metal? <laughs> <laughs> just little buckles and stuff. Nothing, I feel like nothing that should too make fancy. it worse, just <laughs> I think, does it still do that with the metal? Yes, it does. Uh, you just get a plus one on your attack roll. Oh, and you take persistent electricity damage. <laughs> uh, he has a few metal buckles, but he's not like rocking full plate or anything. Doesn't matter. He goes down, uh, twitching and jerking to the ground. So I still have a. You have one action left. I'm gonna get up. You stand up. All right, standing up provokes. However, Tink has already used her attack of opportunity, yes. so you're good. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> At this point, you all hear a noise, familiar voice, screaming, "Fuck you, you fucking jester punks!" Cinta. <laughs> Didn't think you let me. You let you wander off and have all the fun without me. She has a sling in her hand, and she flings at one of the jesters, uh, at Tink. She rolls terribly. <laughs> She's gonna do as good this battle as she did last one. <laughs> that was a fourteen, actually. Not too bad, just not great. I just realized I didn't actually write down any of her bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. She, she has, has a, a plus seven. Bonuses. That's all I know. <laughs> she gets a plus 12 and to everything. And a second attack with a sling again misses, like real close, going right by this jester's head, but this just missing. This girl almost dies again. No, she's standing about 30, for 30 feet down the road, <laughs> like okay. taking shots. She's she's learning to stay out of the middle of combat. She's smarter. Uh, she does distract them, but uh, she misses with both of her slingshots, unfortunately. And so that's going to bring it back to the jester's turn. First, Tink kind of looks over at Carl, who's just fried her friend, and she's just furious. <laughs> Absolutely furious. But she's still hitting you with the sap and gets a 12. Nope. Misses. <laughs> Tries to swing at you again. Rolls a natural one. Yeah. She's just <laughs> flailing at the air, just outraged that you are basically killing her friend. And the last one is even worse than that. She's just swinging at air. <laughs> Bellum, on the other hand, Bellum, right? Did I? I think I called him Colin once. You did call and him Colin once, and I wrote down Colin, which I was like, um, which, what is which one is it? <laughs> Sorry, it's Bellum, not Colin. He's just going nuts and trying to bash the shit out of Begus. So he swings, 
Girls a natural one. <laughs> These dice are fucking fire. I'm going to say that they got really freaked out by this shocking touch thing, and they're just like really thrown off their game also <laughs> by the appearance of like a 12-year-old assassin, you know, or whatever. I feel like all the natural ones are just like bleed over from the crits in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's going to swing again. That one's much better. That's going to be a 26 minus 4, 22. Mm-hmm. So it won't crit, but you will take six points of bludgeoning damage. And he does a snagging strike, so you're now flat-footed. And now he's oh taking a God. third hit at you with the potential of doing some sneak attack damage. However, that's going to be a 13. 16, 16 minus 2 for being two flat-footed. He just missed you. <laughs> they look like they're starting to get a little nervous. Beckus, it's your turn. Are there any balconies of sorts throughout the alleyway? I don't know. I'm going to roll a die and let's see. Because I have quick jump and powerful leap, so I'm thinking about getting some better positioning here. It's a pretty flat building. There's a couple of ledges you might be able to jump on and stand on, but nothing as secure and wide as a balcony. Mm-hmm. It's just more like, uh, you know, little places where people might put a plant outside the window. I am going to perform a jump. I'm going to do a nice, grateful, graceful backflip away from these guys and position myself closer to Carl and Bon Bon. Okay. Are you trying to basically move for, well, so what are you trying to accomplish, basically? (laughs) You're just trying to move, but make it it look fancy? I move, yeah. Okay, so you backflip, (laughs) backflip out of the way. We call that a, uh, technically call that a step action, so you don't provoke. You got two actions left. We really need to start getting into fights like in open fields, yeah. like meadows. <laughs> Whiffing it on our stuff. Check it's out. true. Um, it's true. <laughs> Listen, I didn't put that fruit there. <laughs> so I've got my dagger in my hand. Can I use telekinetic projectile with that since I'm the one attending it or does it have to be unattended? Technically, you could drop it as a free action and then telekinetic projectile it. So what's the point of saying, no, you can fire it out of your hand like a rocket? You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. You got the rules for telekinetic projectile? Mm-hmm. Now, Tink is going to get an attack of opportunity because she refreshed at her turn. Whatever. I'm just grateful to be alive. Right. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thousands of years of life. Didn't and, I move uh, beyond their range, though? Yeah. Were you just trying to get away from them both? Yeah. Oh, okay. My bad. I was under the impression that you were trying to place yourself between Carl and Bonbon to be with them. Because you can step back. Oh, so instead of standing between us, you went between us to behind us to get out of range. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Never mind. In that case, you're kind of standing behind Bonbon at this point. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, yeah, never mind. Yeah, your then. tiny goblin we'll friend look, as a human We don't have to look up fine. that role. Thank you. <laughs> So why don't you go ahead and use your telekinetic attack? All right. Uh, 17. 17 hits. Where's my D6? There it is. Does telekinetic projectile only do D6? Yeah, I think so. Okay, it it does 1D6 plus your spellcasting ability modifier. So it's going to do a D6 plus 4. Okay. And it's just going to be piercing damage because you're using a piercing weapon. Mm-hmm. Eight. All right. You fling your uh, mangosh and in Tink's direction, and it buries itself in her. She screams, Ouch! 
right, and that's going to be your third and fourth action. I'm sorry, your second and third action. You don't get four actions. Yeah. And now we move on to Bon Bon. Okay, so I I have a another, it's a question. And it's a question I've always had about turn-based combat. Can I ask the person to the right of me to move back? And can they do that while I'm taking my turn? Like if I say, hey, move out of the way, my friend, it doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't be able to step back. Well, it is you would ready an action. Uh-huh. So, for example, if you were going to say, hey, Carl, get out of the way. I'm going to mm-hmm. throw a bomb. Right. For example. <laughs> yes. Hypothetically. The way you would want to do that. <laughs> first of all, you'd want a bomb in your hand. Mm-hmm. So pulling out a bomb, if you already have it, or even with your quick alchemy, you can mm-hmm. just make one in one action, I believe. And then you'd say something to someone that's free. And then you would spend your last two actions readying a term of condition. So you would say, I'm going to ready my action to throw this bomb at this person when this person moves away from them. Uh, as soon as that trigger occurs, in this case, Carl moving at least five feet away from the uh, target, you would immediately take your action. However, if the condition never occurs, you just spend your whole turn waiting for it to happen. Because mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that he would move out of the way. I would there is no guarantee, but you can okay. ask him. And so the woman is still right in front of me. She is. So you would hit yourself with splash damage. Okay. I would like to pull out my frost vial. Okay. And so I'm going to politely say as best I can, like, hey, can you back up a little, <laughs> please? And then I'm going to ready that. And if he does back up at any point during his turn, I am going to throw my frost vial at the woman. Okay. Carl, it's your turn. I'm going to take a five-foot step back. Thank you, Carl. All right. You take a five-foot <laughs> step back. That's one action. And that triggers and my bomb. A, and it does trigger your bomb. Okay. You, I believe you do trigger an attack of opportunity from throwing your bomb because it's a ranged attack at Didn't close range. Didn't you attack of opportunity? Uh, no, that was a mess up, remember? I'm probably going to She's going to swing at you. Uh, ooh, that's a good one, though. 25. So that'll get you. Nine points of bludgeoning damage. Okay, I have three hit points left. All right, now you can throw your bomb. I'm going to throw my bomb. <laughs> 18? 18 hits. Okay, so, um, and it's 1d6 of cold damage and slash damage to the primary target, um, and then all creatures within five feet, so I hit myself with splash damage, yeah, but you, I'm resistant also... to cold, which is why I chose the frost vial. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to do 1d6 cold <laughs> damage to her. Okay. And you also do one point to uh, Balan. Sweet. Four. You pull out your vial and just throw it. She tries to take a shot at you while you're doing it. Does hit you. It hurts. But luckily, the vial bounces off her head, shatters, and just covers her in this nasty, icy mixture. And since I've been so hot lately from the weather, I just sort of take a second to fast <laughs> and like how nice it feels. Like <laughs> it starting feels really feel, good. Starting to feel normal again. Yeah. All right, that was the activated action. Carl, you still have two actions. Thank you, Carl. You're very welcome. I'm going to shoot her with a bow. All right, go for it. You finally can shoot someone without being attacked. <laughs> That's a 14 plus 6 is a 20. That'll hit. Turn it back around. It's going to be seven damage. Uh, seven damage. She's still up. 
This one buries itself in her shoulder. I'm going to shoot her again. Oh, no. (laughs) It was a one. (laughs) The last arrow actually falls at your feet as you go to knock it and you miss miss the string. My fingers are so wooden today. (laughs) You always have this much performance issues, Elf. (laughs) Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) Uh, Before... We move on to the enemy's turns. The cold damage also gives them um, a status penalty to speed. So just like the people that got hit. Okay. Just something to bear in mind. All right. Cinta loads up her sling and takes another shot. At? At uh, the girl who's looking really rough. Who's got a dagger sticking out Cinta of her chest. Cinta rolled a 25. sticking out of it yeah. and covered in ice. <laughs> right? <laughs> First time ever. <laughs> Level 20. Yep. Yeah. Uh, she... Cinder rolled one point of damage. Oh my god. I feel... She rolled a 25 and still only did one point. <laughs> my NPC, uh, apparently NPC child not built for combat. Go home, <laughs> dirt grub. Uh, but she does take another shot. That was a terrible roll. In either case, it is the jester's turns. Tink uh, looks down at her friend who's still twitching a little, looks over at uh, Bolon, who's just in some sort of feral rage and she just bolts. She goes back down the alley and runs away and she starts, as she gets about halfway down the alley, starts whistling really loudly and calling out, Jesters! Jesters! Oh no, is this going to be like a warrior situation? (laughs) Are they going to pop out of the lockers? Locker boys! (laughs) (laughs) Bolum, on the other hand, he just uh, keeps swinging at Beckus. Bloodlust in his eyes. I'm far uh, away from him now, though. Oh, sorry. He steps up <laughs> for one action, then swings at you. Hold it two. <laughs> misses. Takes another shot and misses again. He just appears very uh, eyes Poor on the prize sort of thing. He should be fired. He's really not a very good lackey. <laughs> he just keeps missing. Uh, yeah, that's them. Beckus. What you gonna do? One has fled. One is dying. That lady ran off with my dagger, didn't she? <laughs> I'm sure she pulled it out of her body and threw it to the ground before she left. Because, really? Ouch. <laughs> Why would you go running down Sometimes the street with a dagger, a dagger in your out face? of a wound actually kills you faster. It's actually smarter to leave it in depending Not on where it is. Not when you have like 30 hit points. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, if I had a dagger sticking out of my gut, I sure shit would not be pulling it out to give it back to the person who stabbed me <laughs> well, I think, before I go. <laughs> I feel like if you were trying to run in a mm-hmm. fantasy situation where you had hit points, <laughs> you wouldn't want to run with like a, a dagger wedged between your ribs. It'd be a little painful and make things harder. Yeah. You would just pull it out, accept the fact that you didn't actually bleed, <laughs> and keep going until you got some magical healing. All right, all right. I'm going to scoop up Bon Bon and take our freaking leave. <laughs> I think that's actually probably a good call. <laughs> all right, so you grab Bon Bon. Now, it's an interact action, so he's going to get an attack opportunity. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he's next to me, isn't he? Yeah, he stepped up on you. Oh, that's oh, right. Oh, well. God damn it. Don't worry about me. Save yourself. Sounds like somebody needs a stabbing. Stab him. You can do it. 
Right? My vote is just stab until there's nothing to stab. I think that's where I'm at with it now, especially since the bitch in front of me is down to like two hit points. Mm. I'm just I'm just pulling She's out my gone. dagger. She oh, ran. she left. That's right. She Fuck. Ran. I totally forgot. That's, that's, so there's only one guy left. Yeah, that's three on one. Just, just fucking stab him. We could be having this conversation know, while this is going on, right? <laughs> <laughs> just go all Catwoman on his ass. Just mm. fucking... You've been a naughty boy. <laughs> okay, it's time to be woman. punished. <laughs> Depends. Are we doing like Michelle Pfeiffer? Okay, I Catwoman? went. I went expert into athletics so that I'm able to trip people better, and I have my damn whip out. So that's what we're gonna do. We're okay. gonna get him flat footed. All right. Whip oh, drip. All right. Now you. <laughs> the whip is a reach weapon, which means you will need to step back to use it. I believe, unless they've changed that. I know it's different in five E, and that confuses me sometimes. So let me check. Oh, no, you can do either or. Up to 10 feet away instead of only adjacent creatures. Okay, cool. So reach now acts the way it did in 5e, where you can attack 5 and 10 feet, which makes it more powerful. All right, you're going to attempt to trip. What'd you get? Terrible? (laughs) 11. You got terrible o'clock. Well, I can tell you that's not going to do it. No, it's not. All right, that's one action. I'm going to try it one more time. All right, go for it. Ooh, that's way better. And remember, you have a minus for the second attack. Yep, that's minus two. Uh, it'll Wait. be minus five or minus four if it is a, an agile weapon. 21. 21 is still a success. <laughs> now, trip's a little bit easier than disarm is these days. Success, the target falls and lands prone. So, Bellum is now, or Bolin, or whatever the fuck his name was, is now prone. You I have one more action. Oh, I do? Do I? Yep. Bowling now he's time. on the ground now. Does he get an attack of opportunity? Uh, technically, he does still get an attack of opportunity. He just gets minus two to all his attacks. Mm. He's also flat-footed for, you know, sneak attack damage. I'd have to draw a weapon to sneak attack him. You have a whip. Well, <laughs> Is that not the weapon you want to hit him with? Just don't well, hit him with this whip. I feel so kinky right now. <laughs> you could just like bring it down on him. Just like, you know. Couldn't you just like? I can use the pommel and hit him in the back yeah, of the head with him. Yeah, couldn't you just like turn the whip over could, and hit him on the head with like the hard part of the whip, like the pommel of it? Yeah, but why not just hit him with the whip? Yeah, I'm just gonna whip him. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's all flavor text. You do whatever you want. Is this minus want. six now? <laughs> huh? Is this minus six now? Uh, minus no, it's minus ten. 10. However, he's flat footed, so his armor class instead of being sixteen is fourteen. Just punch him. Punch him right in the nose. What did you get? 24. Minus the 10 is 14. 14, which is exactly his flat-footed armor class. <gasps> Yay! All right. So now remember, you get to do, roll your extra d6 of precision damage because you're uh, hitting a flat-footed character. It's a d6 instead of a d4? No, a d4 and a d6. Oh, shit. Nice. Seven. And you add your strength bonus. Ooh, well, then that is... All right, you swing your whip around in a wild flurry, uh, miss one leg, then strike the other, pull him down, and then whack him across the face, leaving a big welt. Uh, he is still uh, alive and awake, however. Bonbon, bon, you're up. How close am I to him? I'm like right behind him. Uh, he 
he, you are just to his left or okay. to his right, technically. He's facing Beckus. All right. I would like to just draw my dagger and try to stab him. Okay. You draw your dagger and mm-hmm. stabby stabby. Okay. Natural 20. <laughs> uh, plus. I'm, I'm going to say that hits. Yeah. Plus uh, four. Okay. Natural 20 plus four. All right. Uh, yeah. That'll okay. do it. That's, that's a crit. So you get to roll twice the amount of dice and add twice the bonus, which is uh, zero, I believe, because your strength is Yeah, 10. I don't have a bonus, but I can roll two d4s instead of one d4. Five. In a fury at this man who just won't stop attacking. He just <laughs> get down on his prone self and just jab into his stomach. He lets out a yelp, but he's still alive, still kicking. For the love of God. Um, you have one more action, don't you? Yeah. All right. I guess I'll just try to stab him again. All right. Go for it. And I believe daggers are agile weapons, so you'll only have a minus four. Okay. 13. After the minus four? Yeah. Okay. You just miss him. Ow, he's right there on the ground. I'm right there. <laughs> it's illogical. It's no dirt on him. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So that's you, Carl. Back um, to you. Carl, he's almost dead, I think. Carl. Is, <laughs> is he adjacent to me or is he five feet off? Uh, you backed off. So he's about actually about 15 feet away from you at this point. I'm going to step back to where he's 30 feet away as one action. <laughs> okay. You're moving back out of volley range. And I'm going to shoot him. All right. Take your shot. 12 plus 8 is going to be 20. A 20 will do it. 11. All right, and 11 will do it. Yay! You launch an arrow, and it just pins him to the ground. Best. And he stops moving. Bastard. The fight is over. <laughs> now... Is the girl long gone? Yeah, she's, you can still hear her in the distance, like, whistling and yelling, Justice! Justice! Like, what is she doing, though? I don't understand. Which, I thought she was trying to call them all to us, but I guess not. She's only been doing it for about six seconds. Oh, let's get out of here. Should we search them? Well, you do realize that leaving some dead gestures in their own territory is grounds for you to kind of end up with a price on your head. What if we drag them to neutral territory and leave them there? You might have some problems convincing people of certain... <laughs> it's... Is the other guy dead as well, or is he just unconscious? Well, the Balon, or Bolan, is currently not dead, because he just dropped. The other guy? Let's make some recovery rolls for him and see what happened. That's a fail. Uh, that's a fail. Oh, he, he bled out. He rolled very, very poorly. <laughs> so he has stopped twitching wait, and wait. is a corpse. So he's dead. We the, killed one. Yes. Mm-hmm. And this one's still alive? Yes, and unconscious. I think we should put him out of his misery. Okay. I mean... But we, whatever we do, I think we should do it quickly, because I really think she's, like, summoning... You hear whistles now, multiple, dozens of whistles, sort of yeah. answering back across the blocks, the darkened blocks. I quickly rifle through the dead guy's pockets. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> All right. Uh, you managed to find a coin pouch. You want to write this down? Yep. Uh, two gold pieces, five silver, twelve copper. Okay, that's your reward for the night. That and the enmity of one uh, of the more powerful gangs, the Blood Razor affiliation. Ah, <laughs> uh, this should be fun. That'd I'm be gonna fun. 
casually slit his throat. <laughs> okay, Mr. Pragmatic. I just, I, I don't want him to be our enemy forever, and it's just cleaner this way. I, I, as I said, I don't care what we do. I would just like to leave very quickly. <laughs> Let's leave. All right. All right. Uh, you all run off with Cinta in tow, and she's kind of starts leading you down different alleyways, and eventually gets you back to your home, sort of a safer route, and you can hear the sounds behind you whistling as people are signaling back and forth. And you occasionally, as you glance back, see people sort of bounding across the rooftops as if they're on the hunt. Where should we go? Where would you like to go? You can go to your apartment. Uh, Carl here lives like uh, about five blocks south of where you all do. Uh, So we're closer to our apartment. Yes. Okay. Um, Are they following us with an eye shot? uh, You see more just in the distance shadows. I think we should hide. We can hide at our place. It's closed. Let's let's go quickly. Okay. And we do have a doorman and shit, so. Yeah, so we quickly go to our apartment. All right, you make your way back to your apartment, stumble through the door, (laughs) covered in blood (laughs) and bruises, and uh, the doorman gives you like a kind of an odd look and just shrugs and lets you in. It's just another night, Walter. <laughs> I'll um, I'll clean off all the blood on myself with prestidigitation and all offer right. it to everyone else. All right. Was uh, I stabbed? I was stabbed, right? No, I was. Nobody was stabbed. You're all just bludgeoned. Bludgeoned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess I used some alchemical finesse to like treat my facial <laughs> bruisings or whatever. <laughs> and uh, oh, I have a healer's kit. Actually, I use that instead. <laughs> it right. does take ten minutes to do. Well, oh. Once we're inside. Medicine stuff. Once we're inside, do we not? Oh, once you're inside, you're fine, yeah. I, I mean, ins- yeah. I thought we were inside. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're just getting inside. Okay. But as I was saying, as you're heading up to your room, we're going to end it right there because it's been a very long recording. <laughs> yes. Good first game back, though. Yeah, getting back to yeah. the combat and remembering all the combat stuff, I think, was what was necessary. Nobody died, it although it was pretty close. I thought I was, I, thought I was a goner. Yeah. I'm going to... Carl would um, offer to buy buy you a replacement whatever the thing was healing potion oh the elixir of life yes i can make them i make them every day okay you you really don't have to pay me back for them um Um, i would like to while we're in the apartment also help treat everyone else's wounds because like is our hp gonna reset in the next match no No, uh when you sleep you get uh, hp back you do the medicine checks you get hp back but we'll deal with all that at the beginning of the next episode. All right. Yeah. For now, we should end this. Actually, end this one. Uh, okay. Molly, do you feel like plugging your podcast tonight? I uh, typically every Friday release episodes of a podcast called Final Girl Friday on Anchor FM. If you are at all a fan of horror movies or for whatever reason enjoyed my portions of this particular game, then you might enjoy Final Girl Friday. Come check it out. You can also find her on Spotify, too. It's definitely on there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I forgot. I'm also on Spotify and Apple Pod and, like, eight other distribution, like, media things that I don't know what they are. <laughs> um, you guys are okay with me pragmatically slitting someone's throat, right? 
Oh, and I couldn't give a fuck less. Yeah. Okay, good. Slowly slipping into evil. It should be easy. Uh, no, he ruthlessly attacked us, and death is... Uh... It's like a wounded deer. What do you do with that? You know? Let their friends come and rescue them? No. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I have been Jason McKinley. I am the game master here. I am Molly. I have been Bonbon and Grimlock. I've been Jordy, a.k.a. Beckus. Uh, this is Ollie. I've been Carl and Rufus. Rupert. 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 <laughs> Rupert. Oh, my God. Wow. Do you just want to rename him Rufus? Uh, that was a great way to end it, though. That's a great way to end it. Uh, so. His name is Rufus Rupert. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Oh, gotcha. So both names are correct. Yes. Uh, clever. <laughs> all right. And we will see you all next week. Bye, Thank y'all. you for listening. Bye. Bye. Multi-cock, multi-cock. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, howdy. Multi-love. Bruinia. 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 Oh, I get it. She sells soup that tastes like liquor. Bruinia. Anytime you could be sneak a- snuck attacked. Uh, sneak attacked. Snooked. No, I like snuck Anytime attacked. you can be snooked. Snooked. <laughs> get snooked. <laughs> If you're going to have a podcast, you need to understand how your equipment works. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you right it's now. called trial and error. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. I just read foresight as foreskin. I thought that was a foreskin spell. <laughs> this is the sound of my forehead hitting the mic.